Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hi, lads. It's, uh, we're here. We've done it. The, the G1 is over. Uh, anyone who uh, listens to us might have seen a, an extra episode drop in yesterday, a bonus show, talking the, uh, the final block days of G1. But it was the G1 final proper this morning. We've made it here. But I've got to be honest, Joe, the only place to start, really, is just to ask any takers for your Xbox. Uh, JP, anyone contact you about the Xbox? <laughs> Not yet. That's I'm ready and waiting for stuff to happen. Okay. But I, can I categorically state that I will not be buying your Xbox oh. for the kids. I'll, I'll keep talking to them. I, I reckon I can just cause you some trouble. <laughs> just sort of drill it into them after a while. Benno, do you need an Xbox? I don't. I don't. But one of our listeners might. You know, someone might want the official Rev Joe Xbox. I mean, anything else we can do to sell it, Joe? Anything else you're willing to put Make in with it? Signed picture? Yeah, that'd um, be good. I won't return to Twitter. Um, oh. What would your <laughs> price be? Like... What would your price be to return to Twitter? Jesus, there's oh, that. The Xbox to get you back. That's a question. Um, I'd want my flight to the US paid for next year. Interesting. There you go. Really? Yeah. Add it as I'll a Patreon to you. That's not that much. <laughs> That's yeah, it. It could be a bit, but I, I'm cheap. <laughs> Oh, well, Not as yeah. cheap as me. A tenner on basically. Um, I, there's no stipulation how long I have to return for, is there? So, you know, I could return for a day and just, you know, Ooh. cash in the money and see you later. Sound like a 1970s worker getting, <laughs> going through the Carolinas, fucking them over on the way to work for Eddie Graham. And Who Florida. am I fucking over? PlayStation. <laughs> Sony. Yes, yeah, Sony. I'm lost now. I'm, <laughs> I'm confused. Wasn't it someone paying me to come back to Twitter? Yeah, where have I gone with this? Yeah, JP, you're on. You're on a different wavelength, mate. You're a PlayStation man rather than an Xbox man, JP. Is that why you bring? Oh yeah. yeah. I have been. I bought an Xbox 360 once, and then he got the Three Rings of Death. I've still got and... that. That's all. It's the only DVD player in my house. That's literally the only game really? console I've got. Yeah, I'm way behind that. I mean, primarily for me, it's. You know, it's more my sons have games on it. I've got a few games on there as well. I've been trying to get them to play, but they're just not bothered um, at the minute. Stuff like Uncharted. Tommy's gone right off uh, 2K19. Oh. And he, yeah, He's... yeah. So the hateful Houlihan is on, is very much <laughs> on sort of pause at the moment. Oh, what a Not shame. much. I don't know. Maybe he'll get into Fire Pro. That's the next God, level, no. really. Get him into that. Or get him into like the classic games. Get him into No Mercy, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, that type of stuff. You might be into that. See, those, I'll always, I'll always think the WCW versus the world. Mm. That like that one just for being able, like, Misawa and Kabashi mm. versus I don't know. I can't try to remember at the time. 
PN News? Would it be even? Oh, virtual pro wrestling too. Actually, PN News, the ma- the match we knew we needed. He'd to probably see. been working British Indies. He would have been. He, yeah, he would have been. Vader was. So he's better than Zack Sabre Junior. Ron Reese would have been on it. Yeah, Ron Reese part of the. That, that was on Revenge. I think you get the two mixed up. JP, we didn't have uh, Miss Hour and Capacity, oh, but on yeah. Virtual Pro Wrestling Two, and then Revenge had kind of that you like so Ron Reese and Raven and pretty much the entire WCW roster and AKI man. Um, but you know, yeah, so uh, big roster at that point, wasn't it? Was it <laughs> well up over 60, 70 at that stage? Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I just played it so I could do the La Parker dance and the Buff Bagwell strut. They were kind of my, my into the game, but genuinely one of the best wrestling is of all time. And I, I actually only got into Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, like, this time last year, because that, that is the one where, like, it's, you know, Misawa, Kawada, all the lads, basically, you know, Stan Hansen's in there, the most realistic Vader in a game ever. Worth going back and playing, JP, maybe you could uh, you could talk the lads into it. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely give it a go. I think knowing them, they're, they're kind of snobbish about it, so unless mm. it's sort of, like, photorealistic graphics, they're mm. going to be, like... I don't know. Sometimes I like a bit of more of the sort of retro stuff. It might be worth, yeah, might be worth a shout. Mm. And on Fire Pro now, they've got. Sorry, go on. On Fire Pro now, they've got an exclusive. I think got time with Stardom. Oh, nice. I was reading. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's an interesting one. There you go. That'd be fair yeah. for you. Um, grapple <laughs> correspondent. Yeah, not with your others. your correspondence duties. That will. It will, won't it? You perv. <laughs> <laughs> knew you were going to throw that in there. Like I'm Rossi Agawa, who's shitty as fuck. <laughs> I was listening to a Matt Richards podcast this week. He took over Tuesday Night Draw, hasn't he? And it was purely because they were doing a video games episode. And they were talking about oh, yeah. that, like when uh, Warzone and Attitude came out on the PlayStation. And just how, but like imagine showing your kids the graphics from that now. Um, and like they were saying, like the only reason to open those games was literally to play the music. Um, and get to play the, the the entrance themes when you went into like the creator wrestler screen. Like that was the best part of those games, really, because the the uh, the N sixty four games weren't quite up to it. Uh, were you never never Warzone, a game player, Joe? Or were you a Warzone player, were you, Joe? No, no, I was more of a SmackDown man. Uh, mm. But Warzone was a big hit with loads of people I knew I knew at the time. Well, from school and stuff, mm. because it became in like the PlayStation bundle packs that were sold around that time. I, so I think Toys R Us and Argos and places <laughs> threw it in there. Yeah, so I knew loads of people who loved Warzone and like people who reminisced about Warzone and I, stuff still now. I literally mm. went into like it was a game, might have been game. I can't remember if they were open back then, but like I literally went in with. Every, pretty much every PlayStation game that I wasn't playing at the time, like six different games, <laughs> traded them in just so I had enough to buy Warzone. Because in my head, once I had this WWF game with these amazing graphics, I was never going to need to buy another game again. Because I had create a wrestler <laughs> in it as well, so I could just create wrestlers for the rest of my life. That was my logic. I think I had like ten pound left over, and even bought like the strategy guide, which I actually did sell on eBay a couple of years ago and made a bit of money back. But yeah, Good I was a dumb kid. The thing with Warzone was clearly they designed the game for 1997, and then once they released it, it was so painfully out of date. Yeah, like Ahmed Johnson, <laughs> those promos was an wrestler. Oh, Bret Hart on there, like the Patriot. Was he on there? I don't, I don't remember. Know. Yeah, but it was like it was like I think British Bulldog was on there as well. Headbangers. But it just felt like 1997 and not 1998. It was mm. a very odd game. It's like you're playing in the Attitude Era, in the kind of transition period between the Attitude Era and the what's the era between like 94 and 97 called like the, the generation. <laughs> The new, new generation, generation. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's an odd game. Yeah, Rikishi saving the kids and that shit. Oh, he's a uh, 
when he was oh, doing like Samu. gonna make a difference, gonna make a change, that stuff. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's a turn away from that. Oh, and the only example of that, yeah, no, just terrible time. It really was a terrible time. Oh, we're not going to do our retro podcast, JP. I thought we could go back, rediscover the mid nineties. Oh, what a real part of a retro it. podcast. It's like when I first properly fell out. Like I was into watching WWE in like ninety two, ninety three. But when I when my mum and dad got Sky in like ninety five, ninety six, that's when I was like my most hardcore of watching WWF. I was big into <laughs> it. The the Shawn Michaels run, the concussion angle with Owen Hart, all of that stuff. Like that's I've got a real soft spot for that era, even though looking back now it's shit. But a lot of gems, Bret Hart, one, two, three, kid matches like that, still worth watching. Yeah, there was a weird kind of reversal where the top of the card was always worth watching mm. at that point in time because it did have either Bret or Michaels or Owen, someone around there like that. Mm. But it was like terrible undercards, which you know end up being the reverse of what WCW was like, wasn't it? With the yeah. great undercards and, and shite the on TL top. Hopper and Alex the Bug Porto and Techno Team Two Thousand. Yeah. Exactly. Terry Gordian as the executioner. Fucking oh, hell. Jesus. Like a, for a cup yeah. of tea. Exactly. Do you remember Barry Windham as the stalker? Oh, yep. that was brilliant. Okay. The promos were good. Him and uh, Whale and Mercy both had really good promos in that little era. But neither went anywhere. Real shame. Yeah, I was always, a, a, you know, as a kid growing up with like Dan Spivey and the skyscrapers and stuff like that. I think it'd be great. I'd seen him as Whale and Mercy thinking... Yeah, and I think I'd seen a hooky copy of um, Cape Fear on brand again. Um, <laughs> and then as a result, I was like, oh, it's coming in like Robert De Niro, and it was nothing like that. Mm. Certainly nowhere near as, you know, you know, didn't have the kind of, it's like a weird film, Cape Fear, if you go back and watch it now. It's so OTT, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like Hitchcock on his most crazy, and that's what he's done. Mm. And like, wow, I've gone on Cape Fear. How do we go from Cape Fear to the G1? That's the real <laughs> Uh, big Nick Nolte man, aren't you? I saw him once on um, on South Bank near the National Theatre. I was with the kids who were very little. He looked fucked, just staring up at the sky, hair all over the place. Definitely him? Definitely him. What was he Definitely doing? Was he doing something at like the BFI or something? Possibly. He was just staring up, oh, looking right. up there. And I think... You Do you know, reckon he was doing some method acting, getting into sort of the role for Warrior or something at that point? I, I doubt he looked like he was off his tits. He's off his tits and Warrior, isn't he? Is he off his tits well, in he's Warrior? He's like an alcoholic, abusive yeah, old man, isn't he's he? good in Warrior. He is. You, you like Warrior, actor. don't you, Benno? Yeah, it's a good film. It's good. Uh, classic sports film, just with MMA in place of boxing or whatever sport, other sport you're going to do. Yeah, good stuff. It was like 2011 better, or something like better. that. That's right. And Kurt Angle. Yeah, there's the Russian oh, I forgot he was in that, yeah. Yeah, so it's certainly better than Here Comes the Boom, starring that, who's that fucking arsehole from that Paul Blart Mall Corp films? Oh, I know the bloke you mean, Kevin James. Yeah. I've never seen a film with him in. I look at the poster and just go, nah, not, <laughs> not for me, not for me. <laughs> yeah. You could add to your one-star list, Joe. The guy who promoted United Wrestling, who he loves Paul Blart Mall Corp. <laughs> Other Kevin James films, oh, yeah. Oh, you've reminded me, actually, yeah, JP, I, I saw uh, Buckle to yes. some grief on Twitter for, for missing out a couple of things from United Wrestling. I don't know if you want to do any clean-up. I'll, I'll say the one thing for that, like, he's mentioning a guy called Fentos, uh, Mark did, which was good. He, he came out, and they used this, he was the best, one of the best things of the show. His entrance music was this clip from University Challenge with this incredibly long, complex question from... Um, Oh, what do you call him? Does Channel Four um... Countdown? No, no, what's his name? He does University Challenge now. Paxman. Paxman. <laughs> Paxman doing that, 
guy giving the answer and then using Blinded by Science, that theme music. And it was like, oh, this is, it was great. The match itself, and I said this to Joe, it felt like an encapsulation of modern Britain in some ways. Um, this is thinking back on it because he had this kind of intelligent guy coming out like an expert in Oxford. Crowd had rejected that. They wanted the bald biker bloke who sort of thought he was boring and hated knowledge. It feels like in some way it's like the kind of country that we're in at the moment with people rejecting in intellectualism and expertise. Well, it's all about the white van. Man, exactly. So. In, in favour of that. Hence, they cheered for Nomad. The match it weight itself, not good. And I think Joe went to the toilet at the point the entrance happened. Oh, well. I'll live. Yeah, that's it. Where do you stand on... Um the British press outsourcing comment to White Van then, just out of interest. I'm not a fan. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm saving the rant. For Do you that. want to elaborate? I, I'm interested. Ask me, ask me on October 31st and you'll get that <laughs> in depth and on detail. Maybe if things go the way that they're going at the moment. Which problem do you yeah, I'm going to be holding back. What's your issue? Where, where, where do you stand on the university of life after oh, graduating from the School of Art Knox? Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> just oh god i lift up shit ergo i'm a genius fuck off I don't need to... That's, uh, that... cement mixing it's physically hard that's it those punching brick walls doesn't make you fucking clever as a result does it no, i'm not sorry i this has gone off on a tangent completely i will say You'll hear the mother of all rants, I think, like October 31st, if, if that happens, on Brexit Day. Well, we'll have new 50Ps and blue passports, so what the fuck are we complaining around about? <laughs> this country's gone to the fucking dogs. <laughs> Look what you did, Anyway, John. G1. G1. I pressed <laughs> some buttons there, didn't I? <laughs> I pressed some buttons. Uh, it's in preparation for you pressing my buttons when it comes to the G1 final, oh, that's why. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, coming yeah, up. Um, I'm getting my shots in now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to say, like obviously we, uh, like we said, we did the bonus episode at the weekend where you know, we did get that uh, that bonus review of United Wrestling as well as our, our some of our G1 takes from the final block days. We're going to review the final now and go through the notable things on the final, which I'm sure uh, both yeah, but yeah, you Joe will have lots to say about. Uh, <laughs> but also, just a note, we're going to do another bonus episode later in the week. Um, Gareth of, uh, of Grapple Fame is going to be doing a, a couple of uh, stats for us is going to be sending over some uh, some things about you know the best matches of the tournament that we can go through we're going to get Jamesy uh, who filled in for you a couple of weeks John was fantastic on the show to kind of go through with us you know our best matches best performers just a I don't know a, a nice cool down from the ridiculous six weeks that we've had uh all yeah. with our lives basically just entirely encompassing G1. I'll be glad to have a couple of nights of the week a bit of spare again uh, where when I'm not doing anything I won't have to cram in two G1 shows um, but we could talk all that talk all our, our thoughts and feelings uh, coming out of G1 and uh, maybe have a little a little fun there as well with a couple of games too but yeah, uh, we are there we've made it to the end, we've made it to the final and uh, the final was this morning gotta be honest lads i planned on as we talked on our last show my idea was to stay up for SummerSlam, and then my idea was to sleep for like 
what three hours or whatever it would have been two hours i think uh, and then got gotten up and watched the g1 final didn't happen stayed up for SummerSlam, which we'll talk about a little bit later we're going to talk that take over and a couple of other shows for the weekend too uh, and then slept right through uh, the g1 final and in my head i was like yeah I, c- I can get away with this i could just get up and watch the watch the main event woke up about half 10 this morning went on twitter thinking oh, i'll just double check it as the main event started yet and then got entirely spoiled on pretty much every major happening from this show it's my fault i can't blame anyone else but the first thing that jumped out and probably the first thing we should talk about is this kenta shibata angle um like i was genuinely tweeting last night oh yeah we can all just sleep in we don't need to see these undercard tags uh, and then an undercard tag to live in possibly possibly i, I heard dave Meltzer talking like about it as one of the best angles of of all time in wrestling and maybe we can go that far but probably the angle of the year and just an absolutely incredible moment with uh, with Kenta turning healer, joining the Bullet Club, and Shibata running out and uh, and trying to attack him and defend uh, the young boys. I'm sure JP would have uh, would have appreciated that. Um, yeah, what a show it was today, and uh, what an angle um, to kick off what a what was like an incredible last ninety minutes of the show today. Yeah, absolutely incredible angle. I mean, there's so much in there to. to it. We had said the day before that, you know, needs to go all in with, with Kenta as a heel, and they've done it. And this is where they're going to get the most value out of him. Shibata's involvement, uh, you know, Kenta Shibata at the Dome, building to that. Like, because he, let's face it, he's going he's coming back, isn't he, for a few matches. You can't tease this and not have him come no. back, can you? No. Unless it was a way of them just trying to put more heat on Kenta, nah. possibly, I don't know. But I think you took a GTS, didn't he? Yeah, you can't do that angle and then not deliver on the match, if anything. And this is going to be like that Shawn Michaels, Daniel Bryan stuff WWE did a few years mm. ago. Um, but yeah, it was a great moment. And I think this is a really good move for Kenta as well, yep. actually. Because, you know, they've noticed what's going on. It's almost like they knew this was coming, if yep. anything. And yeah, really good move. I think he'll be all right in bullet club i think they needed some i think that's the best place for him yeah absolutely i, I would have yeah. talking suzuki gone over it i think that would be a better fit really yeah i think you know okay. we could fit him with the shooters and suzuki gun rather than the chase owens of the world in the three years past the date bullet club. i loved it i love the angle i love him being a heel i think i just hate bullet club still being a thing maybe that's my biggest problem mm. maybe it wouldn't have had as much impact if it had been suzuki suzuki goon instead yeah i think so i think that the the fact of how over, I mean, it's not over to me, but how over Bullet Club are as heels in Japan, mm. that kind of an angle, it, it felt like that who it works works best with. Because Suzuki Gun has those elements of people where people like parts of them, like Art and Archer as well. It's like, as with a lot of the stables, there's those kind of shades of grey. And there mm. is, you know, you've got your more outlandish heels like kind of Taichi but, and Kanemaru, but at the same time, you've got your, you know, your Zacks and your Suzukis are also incredibly popular. And you saw today how popular Suzuki still is. Mm. So I think actually as a place to get the initial heel reaction, Bullet Club is the best place for him to be. Um, I liked the kind of dirty smile that he gave and he gave. And then when he came out later on as well, I mean, he seems to have gotten the reaction that they wanted it to get. And also now he's got a whole long list of matches lined up. So in terms of getting revenge for the losses, that he had in G1. I mean, his G1 was effectively, he had those first, um, what, did he go 4-0, and o, wasn't it? Yeah. He went 4-0 and o and then went, ended up 4-5 and, and lost the remaining yeah, five. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm. So you've got 
the five you've got the five people you can get revenge with and be and there'll be some sort of underhanded stuff there as well mm. you can get him hopefully doing a bit more character work as well which is something that of all the things he would have been working on in florida that would have been one of them certainly um it feels like he's, he's sort of fizzled out of the g1 and this sort of has brought him right back in mm. as being a kind of a, a player and as a result for him it's great Chibata as well. I mean, he that touches that kind of raw nerve. Mm. Although there'll be obviously for all of us that element of fear when Chibata oh, yeah. wrestles. You were very careful with him, weren't they? Like they were careful to. They were. It was a choke that he took, and when he took the kendo shot, it was to the belly. They stayed right yeah. away from his neck and head area, uh, mainly his head area. With them having it was a bleed on the brain, wasn't it? As kind of the, the big yeah. thing with him. Uh, it did. I was. I watched it and I was so into it. Like when he, you know, he hit that that elevation drop kick in the corner the hesitation drop kick and just yeah. took out Kenta's entire face. Uh, I was I was so into it with the crowd and so thinking, oh yeah, maybe maybe we actually are going to see Shibata back and, and doing matches because he did do a lot as far as offense goes. But I don't know the fact that they were they, they took it quite easy with him as far as the bumps he was taking. I mean, the temptation would be yeah, I'd love to say we're going to get a Kenta Shibata match down the down the road, but I don't know if you you feel the same as me that we're probably not and maybe this was it, but. I don't know. We can still wish. Uh, perhaps it's a way of trying to get someone else over who's associated with Shibata. Mm. Um, I thought Goto was going to come out when they were beating down Shibata. Mm. And they were going to try and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe they were going to try and give Goto a bit more purpose. So I was nah. kind of surprised he didn't. But yeah, I'd, maybe you try and get one of the young Lions over in some way as a result of this as oh, well. Yeah. Give them some mm. with Kenta. God, you're excited, aren't you, about them young Lions? <laughs> I'll be talking about that match at the start. There's some hot yeah. young boy, young boy action on this show, JP. It's, That's interesting. You're excited by the stardom tie-in with that video game, and now you're excited <laughs> by the young boys as well. Which is making me sound like a general all-round, all-purpose pervert. As much as anything, <laughs> covering all those bases. Just ask Jeff Ogden; he'll tell you. I, I, I am bright. I am <laughs> <laughs> bastard. Uh, yeah. I don't know where to go. Yeah, but you can have some fun stuff involving Kevin and Angle as well. I'm just going to move past this. Um, also, as well, you've got like you'll have some Goto matches set up, mm. possibly in uh, you know there's you might have Goto tag with I don't know might be um, right. Is it Kyle Fredericks? Kyle Carl Fredericks. Fredericks like in the <laughs> in the world. Tag. You don't know JP. Come on, we see through you. <laughs> Him or Clark Connors, you know, you you can have some really good stuff with um, with those young lions and the kind of overall sort of purpose of the feud. The idea of Shabata coming back for kind of special matches is really exciting mm. because that the craziest thing about him is his retirement was after what would be one of his greatest matches and one of my favourite matches of all time. That match against Okada, which was, I mean, I think in terms of match of the year, possibly was second that year. It would have been really great arguments to be the match of the year. So the idea of sort of retiring where he did and where he was and then how he's come back, his return at a dome is going to feel like a real event. So, yeah, I'm pumped for that already. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they could fill that second dome. You do a you do a Shibata comeback, you could do it. Uh, that could work. Yeah, do a Liger uh, retirement, Shibata <laughs> comeback. Oh, yeah. You could 
definitely make it work. But yeah, that was kind of like it was like a one A, one B kind of situation as far as stories go from the show. That was the the mm. big thing that jumped out when I was trying to avoid spoils and got spoiled. And obviously, the other big thing was that yeah, Joe got to breathe a, a sigh of relief, and uh, Jay White didn't win the G one. Yeah, it was Kota Ibushi and. I think the biggest shock here, and I genuinely don't know what you both gave her on Grapple. I haven't seen your ratings yet, but I almost went five stars on it. I went 4.75 stars on Jay White match. Absolutely loved it, him and Kota Ibushi, but uh, no one cares about my opinion. Joe, Jay White was in the G1 <laughs> final. What did you give it? Four and a quarter. That's a strong rating, to be fair. That's like the equivalent of a five. It basically Nah, it's not, because... Come on. <laughs> right. This is how I'm going to frame this. Okay. So let's go through G1 finals. So the first G1 I watched properly um, was the 2013 G1. Mm-hmm. What was that? Naito against Tanahashi. Yeah. Better match. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2014, Nakamura Okada. One of the best matches I've ever seen. And I was gutted we only ever got one more match between Nakamura and Okada. That was the one in that Saibu dome. Yeah, they've had right. a hurricane that day yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. yeah. Mm. 2015, Nakamura Tanahashi. The peak of Nakamura and Tanahashi's yes. matches against one another. Yeah. Incredible match. Five stars for me. I went on that. And I went five stars on Okada um, Nakamura the year before. Mm. 2016 final. Um, oh, God, my mind's gone blank. What was Oh, Omega Goto. Yes. Incredible match. I think I, the making of Omega, excellent. I think I went sort of four, three quarters of a time on that one. Yeah. In a Goto then, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Goto can go when, when he's motivated and when he's in the position. He was a bit fresher then. Yeah. 2017, Omega Naito. One of the best matches of all time, if you ask me. If I was making a list of my top 10 matches of all time, I think it's got a very good chance of getting in there. 2018. Ibushi Tanahashi. Again, one of the greatest matches I think I've ever seen. This wasn't. There's a standard that's been set since 2013. And for me, this was a good match. And I love the energy in the match. And I Mm love the crowd in the match. It's not an all-time classic. And at this point, the G1 bar has been set so high that all-time classic is what you kind of expect from a G1 final. And for me, this was not an all-time classic. This was just a very, very good match. Um, at the feel of a final, it did. I'll mm. give it that. Um, but I didn't like the shenanigans. I didn't like the ref stuff. It just didn't feel G1 final worthy in that sense for me. I didn't like the stuff with Ghetto. Like, I get why it's there. I get that this is a clear-cut heel versus a clear-cut mm. face. I get that they established stacking the odds the night before, and then they reinforced that when all the Bullet Club came out as well. I understand what they're doing. I understand the approach. I understand what that's like classic pro wrestling in many ways. But for me, New Japan have set a standard over the years, and it's not been this shitty heel face stuff in big major matches. And J1 is kind of the first iteration of that in matches at this level, in this sort of era in New Japan. And it's not for me. Um, If I want to see that stuff, I'll watch WWE, and there's a reason I don't watch WWE. There are many reasons I don't watch it. I'm not saying that this was a bad match at all, but the Jay White stuff is just not for me. He's improved. He's absolutely improved. There's no doubt about it. I think this is my second favorite Jay White match. Um, It was one of his better performances in the ring in a match. But at the same time, I I just... He's not on the level. He's not there. For me, this is like... I don't know. Um, 
I'm trying to think of an example. He's like the Shia LaBeouf of Hollywood 10 years ago when he was getting his roles in Transformers and all this stuff. And it was like, he's going to be the next big thing. And then he became this weird indie star and ended up getting annoyed and starring in Lars von Trier films and all the rest of it. I, I just don't get it. I'm not with it at all. And I was seeing all these ratings afterwards and I was kind of amazed at how people were so high on it because I thought there were lots of shenanigans. I thought the early stages of the match were fine, but I wasn't overly into them. And then at points of it, I was just kind of thinking, all right, I want Ibushi to win this. And I was popping for stuff, but I wasn't on the edge of my seat in that way that I always have been in G1 finals where I'm like really into the emotion of the match. And as much as I loved Ibushi winning, I didn't feel that this was as emotional as it would have been if he'd have beaten a major star in a final. Mm. So if they'd have come back with the Tanahashi match, if they'd have had a card in the final, I know they couldn't have put a card in the final, even mm. Naito, I just didn't feel they had that same level of emotion. You had the heel versus face stuff and people wanted to see the face overcome the heel. But I think New Japan has set this standard with like almost having legends in G1 finals. And this was a... Uh, I don't know. It wasn't that. It was like they sort of tried something slightly different. I get what they're doing, but the Jay White stuff, I oh, just, I don't get it. And it's never going to be for me, I don't think. How about you, JP? I kind of agree with a fair whack of that, although I was higher on the match. I went four and a half. I've watched it twice. First time I watched it, it was more... I tell you how it felt. It felt like watching the Champions League final mm. where I really didn't want Spurs to win because it was kind of a nightmare scenario of them winning the Champions League. And that didn't happen. So I felt really relieved and I was like, oh, good work. And then I watched it again and like to kind of look at the match and see actually what I thought of it. First time round, I was, I thought it was, I thought it was very, very good, but I wasn't necessarily as in, I was invested in a way that I kind of was watching it in almost like a snarky way of wanting to see white lose. But then I went back and watched it again and it's certainly up there with his best match. I put it on a parity with the Okada match from the dome. Um, But, and I, and I kind of the shenanigans stuff, like throwing them out at the start for me. And I said it yesterday, what this match kind of needed to be in order to establish Jay White as that kind of megastar was the kind of match of his life. That would have required, effectively, if they'd started it off with, right, every Bullet Club member is leaving and then that is it and he has to do this entirely on his own and then he has that match, I probably would have felt a bit higher. The ghetto stuff coming in, and don't get me wrong, it makes sense within the storyline. It worked for the crowd on the day, I'm sure. If they're live and in the moment of it, and I didn't watch this live, you would have been really into it. But so I think it's, it's an excellent match. It's very good. It's not one of the top matches of the tournament for me. And we'll do that in the whole wrap up stuff uh, mm. later on in the week. And it's hard to argue. And I did think this, like, what am I rating this against? And you go back and look at the previous G1 finals. And even I would say the Akada Carl Anderson match is better than this one as a match as well. It's hard to argue. This is, this is, it sounds really churlish. It's very, very good. But on the levels that they've set, it's not better than the I other G1 matches. There. It's, it's, the, it's the weakest. It's very, very marginal. It's not that it's bad. It's a great match. But at the same time, if you're expecting that kind of five-star match, 
It ain't that. I think it's looking at New Japan in the modern era. It is. And having that sort of context for it. And we're going to talk about other shows and other epic matches that go on that just honestly, it doesn't deserve to light the farts of this match. Like, nowhere near it. You gave it four and a half stars. No, no. No, I'm looking at TakeOver's main event compared to this. Doesn't deserve to light the fart of a match like this. That's true. But when you're putting it up against the sheer level of quality, and it shows as well how amazing this period has been, and we'll come back to reflect on this as one of the true golden ages of in-ring wrestling, that it isn't it isn't on that parity with the others. I would recommend go out and watch it. I really enjoyed watching the match. I'm delighted Kota Ibushi won. The crowd, the reaction, the other stuff is really great. As a match in and of itself, it's... It's excellent, but there were still moments where I was kind of taken out of it, although it moves at a much quicker pace for a Jay White match. Mm. And thank God it yeah. did, because I think that's the thing that lifts it above his other matches. You didn't have this kind of stalling office from, from him while he swears yeah. at the referee it's and the camera. Ibushi pace, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly. It was at a Kota Ibushi pace. Mm. Um, and also, interestingly, Ibushi doesn't try and kill himself, and I enjoyed that <laughs> aspect of yeah, it Yeah, I get well. that. But for me, Jay White is at the same level in ring as Juice Robinson. Do any of us want to see Juice Robinson in the G1 final? Weirdly, I would have been all right with him being in this G1 final. As the massive, massive underdog, I think there's a, actually a story you could have told with that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. But do you want it, like, because for me, I want to see two of the best wrestlers in the world yeah. in that final, mm. because that's what we've been given mm. over the last few years. And think of all the finalists I just listed off there. Tanahashi, Naito, mm. Akada, Omega, Goto even. He's not there. <laughs> so better than Goto. Uh, I don't think... I, I prefer 2016 yeah. Goto. I think, I think Goto gets underrated. Because Goto's stale. He's a little bit dull. But look at Goto's record in the ring when he's against the right opponent. Mm. The Omega match was an incredible match. Oh, it like, I think I went it was a great match. His dome matches. And like I've seen, like I would say I've seen Goto have considerably better matches than Jay White. Hmm. Think of Goto series with Shibata as an example. Any time he gets in the ring with Ishii, yeah, like some of his Tanahashi matches are really good matches as well. Like, yeah, he's in there with great guys, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a much better wrestler than Jay White. If you ask me, where do you stand Benno on all of this? Cause you watched it. You already knew the result. Is that right? Yeah. I was going to say that. Cause like, as you said there, JP, you watched it, but you know, after the fact and didn't watch it live and neither did I, but I was still, I knew the finish. And I was still drawn into it. I was still drawn into all the near falls and I was with it really as a match. I think, you make a good argument, a really strong argument there, because, yeah, you list off those other G1 finals, and it's pretty much a, a who's who of five-star matches that I've given in the past, and this is a notch below that. Um, you know, the average on Grapple right now is 4.68, I think it is. Um, be interesting to uh, maybe on, uh, when we talk on Thursday, we can go through the average of uh, some of the previous G1 final matches, depending mm-hmm. on how many ratings they've got. Uh, but for me, I, I, I mean... Um, I think what we're all going to agree on is this is peak Jay White. It's just yes. how, how far your mileage goes on peak Jay White because I, I really did love this match. I went 4.75 on Grapple. I thought it was... And I get what you're both saying about all the interference and stuff and Bullock Club getting thrown out and all that nonsense. But it did. It was kind of... 
It's whether you want to see that in a G1 final, and yeah, there's a big part of me that doesn't either, but I kind of get it as a payoff to all that stuff. And I would say, for me, I thought Jay White gave the performance of his life. I don't think we're going to be far apart from each other when we talk about that, because, you know, just the little things mm. he was doing in the match, you know, like struggling to get his leg out when Kota was trying to do that tombstone on him, or just like the, you know, at the end of all the Jay White matches, you kind of get those really smooth counter hold stuff where you know he goes for a finish and it gets reversed into the person's finish and we go back and forth he's done it a few times in this g1 but i thought this was the best version of that maybe because it just felt mm-hmm. a little bit rougher and it felt like you know, most of that actually a lot of that's kota Ibushi because he's trying to trying to struggle out but i really enjoyed it as far as yeah you know you both you both hit on all the reasons i did like it you know that it was a very much a pure baby face and heel match that again you know the Jay White was just, for me, the peak as far as heel shitty Jay White and his performances here. And I thought Kota Ibushi, you know, one of the best, probably the best pure baby faces in the world for my money. Uh, maybe with, you know, Tanahashi being the the exception. Um, he was absolutely incredible for his, his point. And I love the kind of the story they told with Jay White, you know, hitting his finish and then... But at the same, but it, knowing it's not enough and getting Kota Ibushi back up to do that double arm uh, brain buster thing that he does, the wrapped up arm thing, and try and go to more and more moves, and that end up costing him because he never did actually really go for a for a solid pinfall. I love the story of it, and I was drawn right into it. I was drawn into Kota Ibushi having to, you know, do multiple kamagoyes at the end to put Jay White out, and you know, this is a style of match that isn't the style of match of, of all those previous G ones. It is much more. A Western match, um, and yeah, I could, I definitely get the point about not wanting to see that in New Japan in a G1 final. And we went through this, didn't we, a little bit with AJ Styles, and to a point, you know, other Bullet Club guys, you know, Fergal, Kenny Omega, kind of, but it kind of got dropped as you know when he got his, his proper run uh, on top. And this was, you know, Jay White is it's ten times that, isn't it, with a with all that it stuff. It wasn't so like, there in the major major matches though with yeah. those guys. But this the was only... less in this major match. This was the, the least they've done it. Mm. It, it was. Oh, I don't know, mate. Some of that ghetto stuff and the ref stuff. Oh, I like, love that when Rocky Romero came in through. I, I was into that. I enjoyed that. As like, a, as a I, I don't know. I enjoyed that at WrestleMania 29, no, WrestleMania 30, mm. when Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Scott Armstrong turned up at ringside. <laughs> yeah. But the whole <laughs> Daniel Bryan storyline was, even though they lucked into it, became yeah. about stacking the odds. Mm. Whereas, I don't know, like, this is just the Jay White storyline. It's not the Kota Ibushi storyline. Mm. They've added it to the Kota Ibushi kind of storyline the last couple of days. Whereas I think there's more value in having Kota go over one of the big made guys in New Japan than have him go over this shitty little boy who doesn't belong in a main event. Whereas if you have him go over a Tanahashi or an Akada in that final or a Mega if he was there... That is like Kota Ibushi coming to the fore, like, big time. Whereas he's gone over a kid. Like, <laughs> a kid to us, but he's over, he's over to the fans there, though, isn't he? Like, he is. Ah, uh, this is like Liverpool worked. beating Spurs in a final rather than beating <laughs> Real Madrid. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think that's brutal. I like about... Spurs. I like Spurs way more than Jay White. <laughs> what are you going to say, JP? What I think I say is, is if we're talking about, I mean, it sounds like we're being really brutal on the match. Like, didn't like the match. No, I the did match, like the, like, That's the thing. We did like the match. I think it's, again, and it's harsh. It's the comparison with other things that have gone on before that. And it's hard to argue that White hasn't progressed. It's just, 
and it will always be the the argument about how what the fact they pushed him too soon into the yeah. into the title scene because they that was the way they wanted to deal with Kenny Omega not signing. That's what they wanted to do. There were obviously other options that they could have done. I don't think as a whole, I mean, in terms of the match itself, I think the thing I liked about it, as opposed to it being, say, Naito in the finals, at least this was fresh. Yeah. At least yeah, there was I a fresh dynamic. And I think that carried it carried it a lot. Whereas if it had been Naito, Ibushi, it would have been, all right, am I going to wait for the bit where these two go batshit and try and kill each other? Hmm. And that's not... And I'm at this age, stage of my life where it's like, that's not the kind of you stuff. You just want to see a leg work, don't you, JP? Which is what Jay White did. That's what yeah. I did. A bit of an old man. You know. <laughs> the leg work and stuff was good. Yes. Oh, it yeah. was, yeah, I, I, I got it. It was mm. decent. It worked well in the context of the match, if anything, as well. Um, I suppose there is an argument that Ibushi was then using his knee. Oh, which Alvarez has been going on about like, that all week, hasn't he? Have you heard that? He, he did it on Osprey, didn't Osprey, he? Yeah. yeah, they were talking about Ricochet today from that SummerSlam match too. Uh, it's kind of been the story. I don't, I don't care about that. St- for me, I can nah. believe you're fighting through it. I can believe it. I can believe in an MMA fight, and I've said it a million times on the podcast. That if you know you, you take a load of leg kicks and your your legs you know, falling apart or you break something, you're not just going to lie there dead. You got, you're still going to fight through, and you're still going to try and you know hit all the yeah. stuff and try and keep in the fight. I've got no problem with that. Taken to its logical extreme with wrestling, if Kota Ibushi can power through that and fight in the spirit his way through it, I've got no issue. I was listening to uh, W.H. Park's excellent Cruel Summer series mm-hmm. of the day. I was listening to them with Alan Forel, oh, yeah. top bloke. And uh, he does a really great breakdown of um, attitudes on forums and the difference between the, Obser- uh, the Figure 4 forum and the Death Valley Driver forum mm. in sort of mid-2000s. And I used to lurk on the Death Valley Driver forum Same. all the time. And I remember the different reactions where people were... Re- and he brought it up. They on the Death Valley Driver forum. They were talking about Cena and Michaels as if it was this terrible match from WrestleMania 23. I mean, on the Observer forum, it was like it was a great match. And the thing that was being criticised mostly was Michaels working Cena's knee, and then Cena selling it loads, and then no selling it later in the match. The thing with that was Cena sold the knee and went really over the top on the way he sold the knee, and then there was no kind of like sell job to show that the knee like he was working through the pain kind of thing. Mm. Whereas I think the likes of Ibushi and Osprey it almost looks like physically with their facial expressions, mm. but they're working through the pain and their face is part of their acts and they're kind of them looking fatigued and worn down mm. during a match. So when it comes to these guys doing it, I feel like, yeah, they're in pain, but they're fighting through the pain. It's mm. like, I don't know. I get an injury when I play football sometimes, but I fight through it and I carry you on. don't playing. roll on the floor <laughs> slamming the turf. No. Demanding to be carried off. I got a knee injury a couple of years ago and I really should have taken myself off because I fucked my knee up for life by playing on. But, you know... That's what Ibushi's prepared to do to win this G1. <laughs> and did you win that game, Joe? We drew. Yeah, it was hardly yeah. worth it in the end. No. What a shame. Uh, yeah, I, that, I'm, I'm completely with that. I think that Alan Farrell, that, that, that story kind of sums up my feelings on it as well. I think I'm more on the mm. forum side, really. It's the, think... best, it's the best match that we're probably going to review on uh, of any of the matches that we're going to go through. Mm. Oh, like, it's like... the best match I've watched yeah, since Osprey Tanahashi. Yeah, and I've watched quite a lot of matches. Oh no, you know what? I prefer I prefer Ibushi Okada. So it's the best match I've watched since Ibushi Okada, and we watched a lot of wrestling since that. Yeah, true. Yeah. I spent 
we've spent all of this weekend watching <laughs> wrestling wherever we can. I've watched wrestling and football this weekend and yeah. nothing else. <laughs> I tried to That's... watch the Liverpool game on Friday night and I literally, because we were going to podcast the first, weren't we? And we, we decided to leave it until Sunday. And then I tried to watch the Liverpool game and I just fell asleep because I just my body just needed just a break from watching stuff in general. Yeah. Well, I started watching the G1 this morning. I was I was inexplicably woke up at seven. So I think I heard my youngest son getting up. So I, was like, oh, I ended up waking up, had a cup of tea, put it on. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll watch this in bed. Fell asleep, woke up at 12. And I was like, shit, I can't go on social media or anything now. I'm going to have to like completely avoid this and have to fit in a big sh- and on pure, you know, true JP brand had to fit in a big shop as well in that time. There's so much wrestling to fit in. Yeah. And the point is with this match, this is by far and away the best thing that has been on of of the shows we're going to go through today. Mm. It's a definite must watch. I don't. I am. I think White will reach that level. It's just. A, it's a. It just takes time and a, a lot the of the time. You know, for me, this is the this is the best. I it, felt this about did. It. Yes, I have a lot more confidence in that happening now than I did. I think there's a point where the character has to change, where it's like. He has to do it by himself, and I think that's the real test. And that's the story I kind of want to see, where where White is like, okay, you've got to grow and mature as a wrestler and prove yourself on this stage rather than the shitty shenanigans and the rest of it. That's what he kind of has to – that's what he has to do. This was a start towards that, but he definitely isn't isn't on that. And a, the standards we're talking about is trying to compete up against – some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's the st- that's the stage you're talking about, and you're talking about a, a world title belt that has been so supremely protected for so many years that the IWGP title matches effectively become must watch. Do you know what? I think I'm a bit bitter because I had to watch Jay White in the main event at Madison Square Garden. I had to watch him in the G1 final as well. So like two major shows this year, yeah. he's been the main event, and I'm just. I agree. I think you will get there. Mm. It's if you could take. Uh, how old is he now? 20, show, is he twenty twenty six? Yes, twenty six, twenty seven at yeah, most. But I just, I don't know. If you could if take the overpush push like, out of it, that's kind of what we said in the last show, isn't it? You might, you might feel better, but you can't. I understand that you can't because it, it is. Feels like the most WWE based push mm. I've ever seen in New Japan mm. in my time watching New Japan properly since mm. two thousand. 12 13 um and i think that's what i dislike about it as well because i just think about all those times wwe bring someone in and they'll overput. like think about drew mcintyre when he turned up and how they mm. overpushed him and when they dropped him yeah i don't think that's going to happen and i think new japan are much better with their talent i don't think and he's going to develop and they're going to mm. give him time to develop because they're not kind of ruthless but I, yeah, I just don't like seeing someone pushed above the level of their ability, and I still think that a G1 final is a level above Jay White's ability. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd definitely probably the higher of the three of us on it. But you know, put your ratings in grapple. Tell us whether we're right or wrong, um, and give your ratings for it. But yeah, I, I, I get. I'll agree with JP. I, th- I do think it was the strongest match that we're going to talk about today. But definitely, definitely see your uh, your criticisms there as well. But uh, any, but I mean, before we move on to some of the other shows we saw this weekend, uh, anything else on on this night of wrestling? From the, I know JP's got one match he really wants to talk about. But anything else from the uh, from Absolutely. the uh, at all? Go ahead, JP. The opener. <laughs> the uh, the this is the important the Japanese the young lions versus the lad dojo boys. <laughs> The JP uh, Invitational. Suji and Ren- 
Ah, oh, Suji and Ren Narita versus Fredericks and, and Clark Connors. I, all me, this loved this stuff. <laughs> Absolutely leathering each other as well. Like really going in for it. They've really played up on it. This in and of itself is potentially a great storyline for the future where you've got, because all four of these guys, honestly, they, they piss on what they're producing in that performance centre for the most part in terms of their originals. Seriously pissed at it, with the exception of, like, say, a Velveteen Dream. And I oh, think these guys are, and these guys are technically better, more than fundamentally sound. As much as I like Velveteen Dream, yeah, there's a lot here, and it's been it's been one of the highlights of this G1 tour is kind of seeing them in because they just feel fresh. Mm. The LA LA lines, interesting to see where wrestlers are. They seem to be doing a lot more in the way of excursion. I think they they're on in the Super J Cup as well. I think Clark Connors is in that. Like, really good, absolutely leathering the shit out of each other. And these are storylines that can play into the next few years in terms of a rivalry between young Lions. So I'm all in on that. Don't get me wrong, as a match, it was like, again, it's all the simple young Lions stuff, except just really intense this time. Like, they were building up that they genuinely hated each other. And the fact that Suji just in straight away, it's just like, right, straight in, fighting. Great, great stuff. Match got over as well in Budokan. Yep, got over in Budokan as well. The amount that, that all of those wrestlers would have taken from this G1 tour and the amount they would have learned, particularly the LA Dojo guys. Just Sorry. No, no, no. Just saying, particularly what, what they would have learned from the amount of people they've worked with, different people they've worked with on this tour. Absolutely invaluable. And it kind of shows that dojo system, as brutal as it is, it fucking works. I saw Drew Gulak versus um, Oni Lorcan last night. That was the technically the opener of SummerSlam. And it got no reaction. It was <laughs> crickets. And you think about this compared to that. Yeah. Mm. And like, it's just weird. Those guys are like main roster, like 205 livers who have been around for years in terms of them wrestling. Mm. And they're good wrestlers. And I like both guys, especially um, Biff Busick. But these guys... It just showed the sort of respect and appreciation in the framing. Oh, sorry, in the way New Japan frames wrestlers yeah. to their audience. Whereas WWE just frames these guys as a couple of vanilla midgets who are wrestling over a purple belt. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, uh, yeah it was nice to see these guys getting over a couple of years into their career in Budokan. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed At that. Stuff. Which, hmm. one was the ta- is, which one's the tanned guy? Uh, that's Carl Fredericks. He's got a hell of a look. He really does. Yes, they all have something about them in in various ways. Like Suji looks like he's going to be a sort of big hoss. Narita as a junior, and we'd all said he'd had a really good uh, best of the Super Juniors as well. Fredericks looks like he's going to be a heavyweight. Connors is kind of on that cusp between heavyweight. Like he's he, he's short enough to probably be fitting naturally with the juniors, but he's really hench as well. So. Yeah, and there's so many other, and then there's other new young lions as well, and other people who haven't been featured in this tour as much, like Imura. Well, you might get to see these lads live in a few weeks, mate. I'll be pissed off. We'll probably talk a bit, but we'll have a better idea come the show that hopefully records Touchwood on Thursday. Um, we'll have a much better idea about what the lay of the land is going into Royal Quest as well. Mm-hmm. I think at that stage they might start doing announcements this week. Well, I think after the tag match today, the mm. Akada Tanahashi against Suzuki Gun match, it which looks we haven't like mentioned a, at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big match. part of the bill for Royal Quest. It was a good. I mean, 
Uh, sorry, mm. more important, JP, it is the Young Boys tag, but, you know, this, this was yeah. all right, too. They could hold a candle to it. Uh, <laughs> I, I gave it 3.7. No Young Lions match, but young it was music. good stuff from four guys who have potential. <laughs> yeah, yeah, only a couple of the best wrestlers in the world in there, you know. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy that one, though, Joe. You're a fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Re- real fan. Uh, really enjoyable match. Also, I like the way that Suzuki was used, and I like the payoff of Suzuki not being in G1 mm. and him being fresh, and then him scoring a clean fall on Akada. I was mm. like, ah, this all makes sense. Like, yeah. Akada never really takes falls in these tag matches either. Here's one, and it makes sense, and it's going to build, I think, a match at Royal Quest. Suzuki's over in the UK. Yeah. Uh, he's established in the UK after all of his appearances over here. He seems to love wrestling over here. And that's a main event that I'm quite excited for, actually. It's been a while since we've seen it. I remember their last main event wasn't wasn't the best match. It was like one that was like 40 minutes. But then their match in G1. Do you remember that half-hour draw then G1 a couple of years yeah. ago? Great match. Really good match. So, yeah, this feels like a sort of slightly fresh match. We've not seen it for a while. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought... They were kind of alluding to it on commentary, you know, about the you know, how great the, the Zack Sabre and uh, Suzuki team is. I want to see more of that in in New Japan. I want to see them together yeah. more. But yeah, I love seeing Okada and Tanahashi team together as like the the super friends. Um, but yeah, JP, it was mainly just about setting the uh, the angle up, wasn't it? And getting the I love the Suzuki angle too, like doing the uh, doing the whole thing with him having uh, been excluded from the G1 uh, and now allow and you've taken his opportunity uh, now that he's back um, and beating Okada and cutting that promo about how yeah he, yeah. Was, a, he was a guy who yeah, he was he's not even a guy who was in the G1 so I'll embarrass you though Okada but I thought that was you know on a you know Gato gets picked out a lot as far as you know booking goes in some circles but uh, you know we got quite a few things right on this night I thought this was a this is a nice little booking thing if they are building towards uh, towards Royal Quest Who's picking on his booking? I don't like Jay White, but the Jesus, the guy's got more or less everything right over what, like, how many years now? Jesus. Yeah. It's the people who just really right. want Naito to be the guy. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. I know WH Park isn't a fan, uh, and he does make some good arguments, doesn't he, JP? He, stu- he studied Steven Gerrard's career, and he's thought, right, we're going to follow that tact with Naito, so I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I to be honest with you, I mean, think of, I mean, don't get me wrong, Ghetto has his flaws and there's certain things. The tag division is obviously one yeah, of the big yeah, oversights, which has always seen the weirdest things that the tags and the juniors would be the things that he ends up booking the weakest. They've done a lot to rehab that junior division, obviously with the massive amount of help from Will Ospreay but as well. Just think about the layered character work. I, that's what I was going <laughs> But I would say this, and this is probably one of the big overarching points to take from the G1 and New Japan as well. We talk about these as like kind of storylines. They're not like conventional scripted storylines. What it feels like is there is this kind of place but you've got these different characters who grow and progress over time and change and the story itself is kind of really in the characters so you mentioned there about suzuki Mm. like it's the idea of him not being in the g1 is a very sensible thing to do for a guy who's in his early 50s you have to do that yet at the same time he's credible enough they realize how special he is that you can put him in to a main event a serious main event match Against the world, against a world title contender, uh, sorry, against the world champion, and you're going to get value out of it. And they that's, that's exactly what they seem to have done. I mean, if you're talking about top two matches as Suzuki and Akada and Zach and Tanner, and we haven't even talked about Osprey and where other people are going to fit into the mix as well, it feels to me like Royal Quest. I'm a lot more pumped for Royal Quest now as a result of it, I have to admit. 
Just wondering if Osprey's going to be facing Royal Quest. That's not uh, that obvious, is no. it? Can't I've got a theory. Yeah, he kind of is. Um, maybe a junior, you'd imagine. Yeah, maybe a Phantasmo? junior defence. Yeah, I could see that, actually. I could see him in Phantasmo. But I'm sh- it'll still be a good match. Yeah. There are potentially better matches you could do, but I suppose going into Royal Quest, the thing that I kind of want is I want New Japan Canon adhere to I also I want to feel like this is part of New Japan's overall story throughout the year yes. I want them to get Zack and Osprey over that bit further in the UK yeah. though because I think if you get them over like as real stars to that audience and they kind of are yeah. anyway but just that little bit more like that's a real in for like comebacks as well come oh, yeah. up for New Japan I have a feeling and a theory that Tanahashi is going to beat Zack and that we're going to get the Tanahashi Osprey rematch of a dome for the British heavyweight title. I'd take it. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could see it. Big moment to do yeah. a big UK show as well and have Tana win the belt. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be up for that. Uh, but yeah, I guess. I'm we'll... doing a match against David Starr at hey. your call as well. <laughs> oh, what? When uh, David Starr's in charge of Rev Pro? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be up for it. I'd be well up for it. I mean, I, I, I also, when you say about pushing Zach, ideally the best case scenario is to have Zach on the sofa of Good Morning Britain bollocking Piers Morgan. That would be, that's like the kind of dream scenario for me to get Zach to that point. <laughs> New Japan's media team need to get on that. Uh, I get that going. Do need, to, do, need to, do need to get on that. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as far as like finals go, I did think it, uh, the G1 final today was uh, more eventful than uh, than it looked on paper. Uh, great show. One match mm-hmm. show still, but still, check out the angle. It, it is worth seeing the Zack Sabre Suzuki tag with uh, with Tanner and Okada as well. But yeah, it will be the end of our, our G1 coverage. As like we said, uh, later in the week, uh, likely Thursday night, now probably Friday morning before it lands in your feeds. We're going to get get Jamesy on. We'll talk, uh, you know, our best matches, uh, favourite performers from the tournament look at some uh, stats from grapple uh, as far as ratings go mm-hmm. and also yeah jp will need to check in with our our pickums because john and way haven't uh, haven't got their podcast out yet so i don't know how i've done in the uh in the uh, the post pickums I, I i presume it's not well as long as i beat david portman's girlfriend i'm all right uh, if i can if i can not finish bottom yeah. of the p block which i don't think i'm gonna now i think i'm gonna but i am near the bottom uh but we can go through all that stuff as well uh obviously jp you're doing much better in fancy football right now but you know be interesting to see oh where yeah land and, and whether gareth can uh, can win the whole voices thing. I, c- I could have done with a uh, sort of triple captain Raheem, Raheem Sterling type performance oh, in my G1 that, pickums to get anything out of that. I will, I will hold on to my triple captain in fancy football until a week where City play twice. I'll captain Aguero and he'll play 20 minutes. Whereas first week of ever playing the game, JP, you triple captain Sterling and got triple points. This probably means nothing yeah. to most people, but I'm infuriated about about it, so I have to mention it. I thought, and I and I'm sh- I was sure that you thought it was bad tactically as well to do. Oh yeah, um, never would have recommended it. It worked out though. No. You've got a good little team there, a couple of Arsenal players in there, I noticed as well. Um, uh, I've made a couple of substitutions as well. Uh, have you not noticed the slight theme of his team? No. <laughs> right. So Matt Docky, okay, yeah, I get why he's there. Oh. Irish as well, obviously. <laughs> Then I had a look at the bench, and on the bench is that young Bournemouth keeper, Mark Travers. Mark Travers also happens to be Irish. Oh, young Irish lad. Yeah, how old is he? Like nineteen, (laughs) twenty. That's when. Yeah. Then when I on on Saturday, JP brought up some guy. um, He was asking a a mate of a mate is a massive Spurs fan. 
And he was like, oh, what do you make of Troy Parra? I was like, who's that? It's like, young Irish lad, been playing uh, pre-season. I was like, oh, right. So we got some information on Troy Parrott from this uh, <laughs> mate of mine. And then, as I look at his fantasy team, Troy Parrott, 17-year-old at Spurs, he's not made a first-team appearance, just happens to be on the bench as well. So, yeah. What's going on, JP? I, I'm fully with this all the way. I'm doing my bit to try and push his name out there. Are you hoping for a He's, Harry Kane injury or something? I, I, I think I'm always hoping for a Harry Kane injury. <laughs> I won't lie. That, that, that's kind of a constant state of mind. But, you know, before you know it, he, he plays in the Carabao Cup. You know, does well, gets a couple of goals. He's starting. Is it not Premier League-based uh, fantasy football? Is it Carabao Cup as well? No, no but I want no, it just in, real, in it, IRL, in real life. Just to get him playing a bit of that, scoring a couple of goals. Before you know it, he's in there ahead of some. Tell you what, JP, uh, like Gareth won the Brit Res League last year. If you win that thing yeah. this year on your first try, I'm giving up playing the game. You, you hear that? I, w- I will eat your heart and I will give up playing the game. That you get both of those things from me. I've, I've made a couple of substitutions. I managed to get Virgil van Dijk and James Madison in there as well. Okay. Totally strange. Mix it up. Mix yeah. it up. Mix it, mix it up a bit. I'm sure I'm doing all the things that you wouldn't recommend. Why, but... why Virgil van Dijk? You could have Shane Duffy in there. Well, <laughs> Duffy would score goals as well, but that Brighton, that Brighton, I can't it's just pick to, Irish people. To. You should do a big Otherwise, I'll end up picking Sheffield United. There's like four of them starting there. Seamus Coleman in there, JP. Yeah. I should have done that, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> instead, I went for Gilfie Sigurdsson instead because he takes, well, all the set pieces, doesn't he, at Everton? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've got it. I've got him in. I had Walcott. He didn't even start. Um, but I, I, I'm going to get Coleman in, I think. But yeah, we'll check in uh, maybe every now and then. See how JP's doing in the uh, the Brest Fancy Football League for anyone. And how cares, how but... are you doing in it? More with the point. Did all right. Did all right. Uh, I think I had a better week than Gareth. I think it's close. Uh, I was in the high sixties. Uh, I'll have to double check that before he uh, he tells me off. But yeah, you know, I'm in the in the upper mid table of uh, the Brit Res Fancy League, so I can take that, JP. Yep, I can see him. James at 31st. Just looking for where. What's the name of your team again? Uh, Dylan Panthers. Thrilling audio this, JP. It is, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see it. Dylan Panthers, 73. Good week. We'll, we'll keep people updated whether or not they're interested in hearing it, simply because <laughs> we will talk about it. So, uh, it's best to talk about wrestling. Uh, yeah. but... <laughs> they're all anyway. arrested by now <laughs> well so are we really based after this weekend but we've got like 27 other shows to review so we probably should uh, I don't mm. know where do you want to start should we lambast WWE should we talk Ring of Honor should we talk GCW uh, let's get Ring of Honor out of the way yeah alright I'm the only one who watched it is that right yep. yeah is it just me oh, the summer yep. supercard lads it was a big show Friday night did you even know it was happening don't think many people well, did, though. Toronto didn't think it was a big show, did it? <laughs> There's fucking no one there. Like, I, I reviewed this for post, which is pretty much the only reason I watched it. But, my God, the other... Um, there was a brawl in the in the Russian uh, Dalton Castle match where they went into the crowd, and literally it was just the worst production decision ever because all you could see was empty seats. Like, if anyone tells you that... Uh, I don't know, the, the elite aren't draws, just look at the anti-draw that Ring of Honor are now with mm. fucking, you know, the likes of... I like the G.O.D., but, you know, the likes of Matt Taven uh, as their world champion now. Uh, I was kind of, with him, like, I don't really think it's his fault, but he doesn't help. I was saying that in my review on post. It's like, you can't blame him. It's the elite leaving. That's all it is, and it's Ring of Honor being stale. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's not stemming the tide either, is he? This Korean mid-carder being their top guy. 
Uh, and yeah, Look, if they put the belt on Marty, would it? I think it would still be bad. Mm. Would it be as bad? Mm. I, I suppose you wouldn't have opponents for him. That's the only thing. Well, he was like he was on the show. It was just a, he came out as a surprise, and he had a random yeah. match with PJ Black, which was just like you know Marty's one of the few wrestlers on this show comes across as an actual star. And he's there in an unadvertised appearance against PJ Black, who couldn't be any more just another body in the match. Like ah. I saw that match at Southampton Guildhall once. Oh, was it? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was when Marty was on like a hot streak of it, like great matches. And I remember me and my brother were just like, "Yep, Justin Gabriel is, as we suspected, utter shite." Uh, I gave this one uh, 2.75 grapple averages 3.04 but that's based on 17 ratings like no one watched this thing it's just me Uh, yeah it's quite sad that isn't it but yeah he should be in a higher role Uh, but that was fine there was a Kelly Klein as the women's wrestling correspondent JP have you ever heard of (laughs) Tasha Steeles and are you a fan of Kelly Klein because they fucking shit the bed like it was awful like a Kelly Klein is terrible star and a half on grab kelly klein has got like she's got a good look she's got a good i, I can't i know she's doing like the mma thing a lot of other women are doing but yeah. she does carry herself as a champion but then when nope. she's in there with you know tasha Steeles, who's kind of unproven and then the, the setting of matches angelina love came out at the end of this thing to to set up a match going forward with kelly Jesus. klein like she's not going to save the women's division is she this 2007 impact star or will she jp no, no, she wouldn't. She was never good in 2007, and we're 12 years later into the fact. I mean, that Women of Honor division has been one of the biggest afterthoughts. I think Progress have put a lot more into their women's division than Ring of Honor ever did with this. And Kelly Klein, as soon as the belt, it, all that presence in the world can't hide from the from the fact she's not a good wrestler and she's actively bad and those matches are bad and it reflects terribly on them mm. yeah the division you'd have to sit for a match at madison square garden mate <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's even on true. that show i don't even remember that yep i think at that point in time i might have been smiling and it sounds cruel probably at the thought of you having to sit through this live <laughs> while watching it which again was one of the things like took it through this is a serious point is it going to be the case that Madison Square Garden was the point where Ring of Honor was like laid bare for the world to see how truly bad it was and how oh, definitely. just little fact that they've been getting a free pass for years? I don't for, mean to toot let's my... just face it, average web design. I don't mean to toot my own horn here. <laughs> if anyone wants to pinpoint the death of Ring of Honor, go back and listen to that rant that I had. I can't even remember what I said, but... I remember being very angry the day after that show and absolutely yeah. going off of one. Go yeah. find that show. Oh, they're a dead promotion, they really are. Like, I was watching it, and there are good things in the shows. Like, there was a Bandido and Mark Haskins are a, actually a solid team against Jay Little and Jonathan Gresham, and they're telling, mm-hmm. they're telling this, like, you know, we all love Gresham on this show, and they're telling this story of Gresham becoming more of a heel and having dissension with Lethal, and it was an okay match with a great uh, last five minutes that I really enjoyed, and there's, you know... Russian Dalton Castle was an okay brawl on the show, but you had, like, they had a lot of CMLL guys on the show as well, you know, other than Roosh, you know, uh, it was Caristico, Soberano Jr. and Stuka Jr. I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy. Um, they were one side. Yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. Against uh, Barbero, Heike, Caesaro, and Templario. 
Yeah, no good with the pronouncer these days, but that was genuinely good. It was like a proper CMLL trios match. Like, if they've shit the bed with the New Japan relationship, and if New Japan aren't running a mile after that Madison Square Garden show, and if them running the Northeast isn't them running a mile, I'd be surprised. But they should lean into that, do more stuff with CMLL, because that was a lot of fun. The main event, which I'll probably go into a little bit more detail in a minute, you know, the, the ladder war with Briscoes and Gorillas of Destiny, that was very good too. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of came out of it going, yeah, even though I enjoyed these isolated moments on the show, it's not going to change anyone's mind because Matt David's Matt still champion. It's Bully Ray still booking it and it's still Ring of Honor and it couldn't be yeah. any less relevant, even if it isolates them. Like I gave that main event four stars. I thought it was a really, really good street fight. The Briscoes and the Grills of Destiny have got chemistry that I've not seen the Grills of Destiny have with anyone else. And I've almost turned me into a fan of them, but maybe not quite. Um, but it just doesn't matter, does it, when it's happening in Ring of Honor? Well, and that's it. And a lot of the things you mentioned, like the highlights of the show are involving either CMLL or New Japan in some ways, and Roosh, you know, a CMLL guy for all intents and purposes. He's got a much multi-year deal going on there. It's it's just sad. It it feels like, but Ring of Honor itself, like what, in terms of the people that they've brought in, in terms of the talent, the young talent they've developed themselves, it's a desperate, desperate place. Well, they never really brought anyone new in. They relied well, yeah. on the elite for too long. Well, there yeah. was the lifeblood faction, which was, here's the people, all the people we've signed, we just couldn't put them in a group together. But I just never felt like they scouted those guys. It was almost like, no. well, we've heard they're available, cool. And then the new guys they bring in were like Bully Ray-influenced guys. <laughs> Juice Robinson and lost a bit by being in Ring of Honor. And, and I think couldn't he... get out quick enough, could he? You wanted out? Yeah, yeah. Had to build it. Had to build himself back up in this G one. Absolutely, yeah. He knew that as well, and that's just completely uninterested. Like, think of all the indie talent the Ring of Honor lost out on. Basically, look at the NXT roster, and Ring of Honor lost out on basically everyone there because they went yeah. to Evolve and worked PWG and AAW and places. Like, it just to me, it just sums up what Ring of Honor's problem was. They weren't able to scout good talent. They got lazy and they thought the likes of Dalton Castle, who is shit and he's always been shit. And I've always said that. Matt Taven, these guys, what, what were they ever going to do? I remember watching it thinking, right, once these guys go, this is like three years ago, mm. this promotion dies. And you know what? I can't wait for it to die. And I, that sounds awful because it's a place where people won't get to work. But at the same time, it's an irrelevance and it's another thing that you hear about, and it's just noise at this point. And I wanted to go away, and I want the WWE to buy the rights, and let's get that documentary, <laughs> and let's get all of those shows up on the network. Yeah, yeah. I can't argue with it. I don't think it will, because I think Sinclair will just keep it running on their propaganda networks. It's just a, a couple of... I think we're even talking about going live this week, about doing a live show each week to try and make themselves relevant. Fuck it's yeah. always going to exist. That doesn't make something more relevant. Oh, they're going to try, though. They're going to try. Because they're like, well, AEW are going live. And NXT are going... What if, what if they're doing the Wednesday Night War? Maybe that could make them more relevant again. Have they looked at what makes <laughs> AEW work? They haven't got like, a clue. Jesus. I you, saying that, Joe, did, did, I mean, I, I think you were a Ring of Honor fan a little bit later than this boom, but did Alec, Alec Shelley get in a running Ring of Honor not, not make you interested? I was... No. I made up his back, but I wish it wasn't a Ring of Honor. He was good. You know, a fan fell asleep in his match. 
um, because he was in there with Matt Taven and the Frau were mainly distracted by the sleeping fan. Like the sleeping fan was well more over than I the rest of them. But you know, Alex Shelley still a great talker, still a great worker. Or do we all just want to see him somewhere else? I'd rather watch Alex Shelley's matches from 2005. Oh, I'm a fan. Do you know, Matt Taven seems like the kind of champion that, frankly, TNA would have gone with in the Vince <laughs> Russo peak. That's what it... I've been seeing a comment like, and that's what it feels like. Matt Taven feels like, yeah, yeah we're going to go with a TNA-style champion here. I, was, and I, I don't was, mean Impact. I mean TNA. Whenever I book NXT on EWR or on TW, I always make Alex Shelley my champion just because he's a great talker and worker. Maybe that's why I'm so into that, but... I definitely don't book Matt Taven on top. So, yeah, you can't blame me for yeah. that. Um, yeah, that was, that was a minor kind of highlight. And, yeah, if people are desperate for something to watch, you know, the Ladder War, you know, I gave it full of stars on Grapple, and that's kind of what it's trended at on Grapple as well. Not up there with, you know, the classic Ladder Wars of old Ring of Honor, but Mark Briscoe was literally trying to kill himself in the match, taking stupid bumps off like a massive ladder through a table on the outside and taking stun guns from Tamatonga off a ladder and literally putting everything he could into trying to make this match relevant and give this match some buzz. But honestly, I think I'm the only person who's raved about this thing. I don't think I've heard anyone else say anything nice about it. And do you know what? <laughs> I don't think we've got anything to say about Ring of Honor Fair either. Shall we move That's on? it. It's, Look, fun it's show. a sad state of affairs. Fun the life support matter. machine needs to be turned off, if you ask me. There like, just, just let's switch it off. Like, yeah. at the moment, like, we're keeping it on. And what reason are we keeping it on for? To keep a few little people happy mm. at this big corporation. But we need to disappoint those people. <laughs> and that machine needs to go off and it needs mm. to die. Tell me the question. Who dies first? They're more impact. Well, it'll be impact, definitely. Oh, impact will never die. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Even I, this time round, feels like this might be who's, it. Who's your number, like, you know, as far as, like, promotions in the US goes, who's your number one, two, and three? Because it used to be WWE, ROH, Impact. It's probably, what, WWE, AW. Who's number three now? I just- do you know what? In some ways, it's going to be the promotion you mentioned next. It's, it's going to be GCW. <laughs> if it's not New Japan, I suppose it could be New Japan because, you know, they still they do yeah. big houses, don't they, when they come to the US? Fuck, it might be GCW. <laughs> it might be. And it's, Northeastern it, Championship Wrestling. They draw like 3,000, don't they? Oh, those uh, NEW shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, but they're, they're kind of family affairs, aren't mm, they, with no yeah. kind of necessary story. I mean... I don't know, maybe from that boutique standpoint, GCW. Mm. Like, if you're trying to, it's difficult because it's hard. You can't, don't want to look at just the business side as an isolated thing. You want to look at sort of the creative element as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. GCW doesn't have necessarily, I think the mania shows and what they draw for those Janela shows. GCW is my favorite US promotion at the moment, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. Me too. Like, I'm a huge fan of GCW and they were like, they were on the same night as Ring of Honor. It was like a four in the morning show, so I couldn't stay up for it. But I watched it the day after. And you know what? As far as buzz goes and as far as making me excited to watch a show, I'd make an argument for them being number three, probably for a pure business point of view. Still, it might still somehow be Ring of Honor. But yeah, as far as like indies or like alternative products that I want to watch in America, they're, they're at the top right now. Like, Joe, you watched uh, some of this show as well. This is their uh, escape... It was kind of it was a SummerSlam weekend show, but it was in LA. It was Joey Janela's Escape from LA was the name of it. Uh, but for me, like it was the best card of the weekend. It, it was. I don't think 
the individual matches were better than some of the individual matches on other shows. Some of them were downright bad, but I loved them because they were so bad. But gen- there was something entertaining about every match on on the show, uh, and it delivered kind of what the what the GCW crowd want out of GCW, which is crazy high spot car crash wrestling. Uh, I absolutely loved this show, and yeah, I reviewed this one for Post as well. JP, you haven't seen any of it, have you? But uh, I haven't seen any of it. Joe, but you, you jumped in and watched some. Yeah, I had a flick through it, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, what say? I love about um, oh God, what did I see? I saw that flippy match of Alex Zane and the other fella. Blake uh, Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Tony Deppin against Masato Tanaka. That was great. Um, I saw... What else did I see? Remind me what was on the card, Ben. I'm sorry. Uh, Dustin Thomas and Joey Janela, no legs against the... Uh, oh, yeah, Janella. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a tough watch. Got to be honest, that was a tough watch. Uh, but all in uh, all... It was still it. enjoyable in places. It, like, some of the spots individually, it's a gifable match. You can mm. watch that in gift form. That's just um, it's a gift. Be- it's a gift promotion. Yeah, exactly, and they get that, and it was it was funny mm. at points of it, and Dustin Thomas, fair play to him, like Joey Janela managed to work a reasonable match with a guy with no legs, like that's an achievement. It, it, <laughs> um, it wasn't as good as the Deppen match. I think the problem I had with it was like, I mean, this was. I think it was just more tough to watch than anything because Dustin Thomas legitimately... Sure. He, he did a dive to the outside, didn't he, where he legitimately hurt himself. Oh, that looked horrible, it looked, yeah. But then after, there were a couple of points where, yeah, when Janela was doing, you know, apron bumps and power bombs on him and stuff, and I was just watching it. Like, oh, I, just, I just want this match to end at this point. Like, the first time I watched it, I was I was kind of into it live, and then the second time I watched it, knowing that Justin Thomas really got hurt, it was like, oh, man, I'm not sure I want to see this anymore. And Joe Janela even, like, got... I think he was getting uh, you sold out chance he was like the temporary heel for the match and and he was almost in danger of turning himself heel entirely just because of how brutal he was with Dustin Thomas but I'd still say see it because it's Dustin Thomas and the whole no legs thing is just so so unique yeah absolutely just have a look at the gifts I'm sure you find them on Twitter somewhere and you'll get as much out of seeing the gifts as you will anything else to be honest Mm, definitely um but yeah what what were your other highlights from the show joe what, what else did you enjoy did you enjoy masato tanaka and tony deppin i like Deppen. yeah he was, like, the, he was the, the other guy in that other dustin thomas match and he was the other guy against that alex zane on that on that backyard show didn't get any of the buzz of it but the i like that they kind of gave him a bit of a you know give, give him a bit of a reward in a masato tanaka match and he was well up for it wasn't he for his part yeah absolutely it was a lot of fun this one it was a good wrestled at a really like rapid pace to be honest as well mm. what i love is the crowd in that environment lift everything it kind of reminds me of pwg when it was running in um the old venue in Reseda. yeah it, like they're up for everything and therefore it gives the matches the, this like manic energy mm. and so everything seems to work and almost get over within that sort of manic sort of energetic environment if anything Mm. and Deppen was well up for this one I sort of liked how he was wrestling at 100 miles per hour and it worked for the style of the match and Tanaka is can still go like how that bloke can still go and he (laughs) must be still take chair shots in 2019 he should have died in the year 2000 never mind now He's got to be late 40s, early 50s. And th- this was a mental match. It was probably Masato Tanaka's best match in the US since the Mike Awesome match at One Night Stand in 2005, yeah. which is a match I also love. Mm. Partly for JBL just having a drink and just looking <laughs> at the match in shock. That also has some commentary. <laughs> fantastic on that TV. 
Oh, yeah, it's incredible. But, yeah, this was a lot of fun. And Tony Deppard, I was mm. quite impressed with here as well. Mm. Um, so we got announced for Bowler as well. Yeah. I think that environment is going to suit what he brings currently as a worker to the mm. table as well. So fair play to him. Oh, yeah. He was well up for it. And it was like, it wasn't really, like, he's more of like the the, the worker heel, isn't he? Like, he's used not rather than going out and having like a, a balls out match like this. But he kind of proved he can do this too. And he, he paid for it. That him, that brain buster on the outside by Tanaka on him onto the door where like Deppin just was like straight head first into it. He took a pretty nasty chair shot although yeah he kind of hit Tanaka quite a bit harder with his one he he, he was we went through the wars in this match and it was yeah it, it made me think yeah he'll definitely he's gonna go to bowler and he's gonna be a star uh, I think we're gonna see him in in more places based on this uh I thought he was great thought Masato Tanaka like you say looked to look great for us considering his age as well but I would probably say my match of the night and we, we touched on it before was Alex Zane and Blake Christian like I can watch this match and no, you know, Alex Zane's the one who, broke, against Tony Depp and broke out on that backyard show. And I can watch it and go, you know what, like from a pure wrestling point of view, is there really a story here? Are they really, are they just doing moves for the sake of moves? But I tell you what, as far as moves for the sake of moves go, there was points in this match where the commentators had no clue what to call off of the stuff because they would, it was like watching Special K in the early 2000s. It was like watching those <laughs> Brian XL matches or watching Amazing Red back at his most creative. Just They were just making moves up, JP. They did like a, like a Russian leg sweep kind of moonsault mm-hmm. off the top rope. There was all kinds of daft stuff. At some point, at one point, Blake Christian jumped off the side of a building. There was like a flipping bulldog into the corner. There was so many moves in this one that I'd never seen before. And like, that is what GCW is so good. That is fine. And lads like this, who had, mm. until a backyard show, never heard of Alex Zane. Until I watched this, never heard of Blake Christian. And they find these diamonds in the rough of, of indie wrestling and they make them like the hottest thing. Like, I'm, I reckon we're going to see these two lads everywhere soon because mm. it was the perfect environment for it. GCW gave them the perfect stage. And like Joe said earlier, the, the crowd made it as well. Having, having a crowd that's well up for it too turned into a match that I was a little bit worried, Joe, when I knew you were watching. I thought, oh, maybe maybe Joe won't like this. But like you said, Joe, you can't you can't help but get swept up. And it is as stupid as the action maybe was. Oh yeah, like this is the match is about the stupid spots and how ridiculous the pace of the match is. That is the story, if mm-hmm. anything. It's a match that is about trying to get both of these guys over further by showing off as much mental stuff as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Like I saw stuff in this that I'd never seen before. That Same. like inverted bulldog. Yeah. You know the one I mean? Like, what the fuck was that? Like that was I was going mad for that. I was like, yeah. That that is innovative to say the least. Like, mm. yeah, look, th- this sort of match doesn't need a story. No. If you saw, I don't know, Mark Haskins go out in Ring of Honor and have this sort of match with someone just hitting the usual spots, I'd be like, this is shit. Mm. But context is everything. Yes. The environment is everything. Who you are as a wrestler and your tenure is everything as well. And this was about establishing these guys to a wider audience and them doing as much mad stuff as they need to to get over to that audience at this point in time. And you know what? It really did work, didn't it? Because the energy in that room Mm. and the reactions from that crowd were mad. And these guys 
are over further as a result of it. And as you said, Ben, we're probably going to see him everywhere at some point. Yeah, and that's what the, the GCW magic kind of does and what that energy does. Mm-hmm. Like, it, uh, you know, Jungle Boy got on the map because of GCW, got himself an AEW contract, had a really fun match on this show with Jimmy Lloyd that the crowd were into because, you know, it was a stupid indie match with loads of near falls and, and Jungle Boy is getting better at that style. He's a few years off being, you know, the finished product, but, you know, he's massively over because of GCW, at least in this environment. There was an intergender match, JP, I, don't, I know you're not hugely a fan like I am, but Chris Statlander, who is a name, I don't know if you, is on your radar, but she had a I, Oh, go on. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I can remember her possibly from Mania Weekend. Mm, yeah, yeah. But she had a match with Chris Dickinson that was like, it was silly. There were a lot of door spots and, you know, she got powerbombed through the door at the finish, which was quite brutal, but gave as good as she got and, did, you know, hit some big bumps and big, big strikes on Chris Dickinson as well and came across as just this incredible underdog wrestler. And for me, felt like, you know, she's someone they've been using recently, but got made in a night to a to a bigger audience. You know, you see stuff like that. You see stuff like... You know, they, they had a scramble match. And remember Shane Mercer from Mania Weekend, the uh, the Iron Demon, the big lad uh, in the scramble who was oh, yeah. doing, doing doing moonsaults, but also, you know, just like a moonsault fall away slam. That's his finish. But at the same time, he'll just power one more the lads off the top rope and belly to belly them over the top like he, he did in this thing as well. Lads like that just it's perfect for this environment. Like, he's going to stand out. He's going to be something different. And, you know, we moan about, you know, the depths of bit res and, you know, who's going to fill the gaps and all that stuff. But, you know, you can make that same argument in America. And it just feels mm. like GCW have got, like, this little machine where they they almost haven't got enough spots for the amount of kind of almost unknown wrestlers they pull out and, and make into, you know, hot properties that, you know, you'd expect to see a Sean Mercer, you know, going into later in the year in, in other places. And you'd expect to see a Chris Statlander appear in more places, just purely based on the buzz that GCW can give them. Ring of Honor would be uh, in a good place if they developed a relationship with GCW, wouldn't they? Definitely, definitely, yeah. And they could book Invisible Man matches like GCW. No, it wouldn't work. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think think Ring of Honor already booking Invisible Man matches. (laughs) Invisible Men in the Stands. Invisible Crowds. Invisible Crowds. Um, I was going to say, yeah, the, the... they seem to have fulfilled and everything I've seen of GCW I've tended to enjoy. Yes, some of it is completely overblown and nonsensical, but it's kind that's, of... That's what it is. As a that's promotion. what it is. But their job in terms of developing talent is the most crucial, serious element to all of this. And that is what they're doing. Everything I've seen, when you're describing Tony Depp and having a good match, I'm thinking of the times I've... Like you mentioned about Depp and the match with Dustin Thomas and the, mm. the backyard match against Alex Zane with Deppen's wife cheering, please come back to Alex Zane after having beaten her husband was a particular highlight. <laughs> but their job is absolutely crucial at the moment in terms of developing young star, uh, developing new talent who can, they need to fill up the US Indies. And then those US Indies stars hopefully then get to come and work over here, which is the way that we need this to go at the moment. And and frankly, as a lot of these companies are the point of, of like, do AEW need to sign anyone else at this I point? Hate- Probably not. I- the AW. Indies need that bit of stability. They need some of these guys to stay around. Yeah. Chris Dickinson, yes. I'm thinking, I was talking about with, with Joe. He's good. He is. He, he seems to have really improved. So I'm, in, I'm very intrigued to go back and watch this show. His watch. match with Daisuke Sakamoto from that Americana show was yes. an excellent match. I'm in a really good match. I don't know when I'm going to watch that because I'm at the point where I might need to take some kind of a break from wrestling at some <laughs> point. Just for like a... 
few days. You, you don't have to explain yourself to me, mate. You're <laughs> fine to take a break from wrestling. Don't yeah. feel any guilt about neglecting but, your correspondence duties for a while. Yeah, <laughs> no guilt whatsoever. So I hope. <laughs> so like I'm hoping like when the way that you two have kind of sold me on this seems like something that's worthwhile me watching. <laughs> a lot of fun. Hmm. I won't be going back and watching the Ring of Honor show. That's not happening. <laughs> I don't. I but, although I won't lie, I'll probably see some of that. I want to see that Roosh um, Dalton Castle bits where they go into the crowd or the chairs, as we should say. So I'm intrigued to see that bit. But yeah, this GCW show oh, seems yeah. good fun. Have to ask, what was the main event like? Shite. I didn't watch that. <laughs> it was. It was. was it? it was what? No, it wasn't. Shite. It was a death match. It was. It was Nick Gage and Jimmy Havoc. I was about to say, if you watch the show, you can probably turn it off. It's every. The, I mean, GCW Game Changer is a deathmatch promotion. So when they do these big Joey Janela cards, you do always get your token deathmatch at the end. And that's all it was. It was your token deathmatch. If you like the style, you'll like the match. If you don't like the style, you won't like the match. And, you know, Jimmy I won't Hammond watch it then. Well, that, that kind of, I mean, it, it was the, the only reason you might watch it if you're, and where none of us are, if you're a massive Jimmy Habit fan and it's kind of his goodbye to, to this style on the Indies, you've at least got that. And Nick Gage is great. Nick Gage has got so much presence. He's, there's no more, no one more compelling than them in the, in these, ultraviolet matches so that there is that too but yeah you can skip that match entirely and yeah you know J- jimmy havoc's off to AEW, and y- you touched on something there jp i was going to kind of say that like one point i had about this show as much as i loved it it does worry me a little bit that jungle boy's on his way out uh joey janela's on his way out more importantly uh out of gcw at least as far as regular appearances i think i think aw is still going to let him do spring break once a year that seems to be kind of the gray area but I don't know. I kind That's of, in their own interests I, for them I, to let him do I, that. Yeah, I criticise them for myself for for even just only allowing that. Like, I think I honestly think AEW creates these guys. Uh, GCW creates these guys for AEW to take advantage. I wouldn't yeah. take them away. I would let Joey Janela work GCW full time as well as AEW. Because if you look at Joey Janela, he's not over because of his in ring work. He's over because of shows that he curates like this and because of the buzz and kind of credibility he gets from from these kind of shows i think aw are making a mistake there like doing that and pulling them entirely i think you want to leave a janela in in gcw you want to give jungle boy more experience you know working more gcw uh i I really think it's a i don't know if you both agree a huge mistake exclusivity is not a good thing in this situation think of the way that they need to do their shows you don't want to overexpose the people they've got on there so you kind of want to run at times, somewhat of a minimal roster when they're doing TV, so that should give them some of the some of these guys, like a Jungle Boy, a chance to actually work these indies who need to work these indies. They should, if anyone, understand the importance of what independent wrestling actually does in terms of letting people develop as talents. And they, if anything else, they need indie buzz. Like indie buzz is the thing that's kind of got them to where they are. Yeah. That's that's how all of this has started. And some of them, like a Jungle Boy, he hasn't even had that much indie buzz. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he needs to come on as a wrestler. Him working yeah. PWG every month is going to be, you know, a benefit to him and to the promotion yeah. long term. Like it, to me, it doesn't make sense that they're not going to allow these guys. Who, let's be honest, I think if AEW had their ideal mid card, it would probably be what NXT is right now. Mm. But unfortunately, the likes of a Shane Strickland and a Riddle and a Trevor mm. Lee and all the rest of them are over there. But those guys are more experienced, whereas these guys who are in their mid-card, 
they're actually not that experienced, really. And or in Jimmy Abbott's case, mm. just not that good. <laughs> um, so it just doesn't make any sense no. for them not to let these guys work a sort of semi-regular indie schedule yeah. at the same time. Yeah, totally. Because it also it, it, it's going to end up creating. And I see you've noted that on on, on your review of the Janela match, there was a few you sold out chance to mm. AEW. Yeah, like one of the things. He turned. Up, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. Out of control. It wasn't yeah, like no. I don't know Mick Foley and ECW. It was, exactly. it was more because I think they were mad at him beating the shit out of Dustin Thomas. I think it was more that it was just to get under his skin. I think. But it's more like at the same time, like you want that goodwill with independent wrestling fans. All in worked because it felt like it was like a celebration of independent wrestling. As soon as you start going right, we're going to take these guys away from the Indies, and if you want to see them, you can come and see them on TNT on Wednesday. It's like no, 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 no. You're making a mistake here. Well, it's like you these... end up creating resentment, and then it just becomes oh, you get poached by one of these two companies, and they fall into that category that WWE does. And you can't then claim moral superiority if you're effectively doing the same but thing. A lot of these guys as well, like that private party who yeah. are going exclusive as well, oh. they've not had their indie runs. No, they haven't had that proper indie run where they've got that like real, real buzz. And it feels like Jungle Boy is just about to have that. And I just feel like they're they're taking them away sort of way too early and not allowing them, like you said, JP, to get that full buzz on them. Like mm. this private party tag team I've never seen before, but from all accounts, they're pretty green. Are they going to improve? Do you improve? remember from, um, was it Fight for the Fallen though? Or, or no, Fight Effect. Yeah, I, I saw, yeah, but I've never seen them as singles. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, proper, more. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. But no, anyway. Hey, but they might be in front of 15,000 houses on TNT every week. So, you know, if you're going to learn anyway, you've got to mm. learn quickly there. But it does, for me, it kind of feels like that clash of, you know, too many cup cooks with AEW. Because I bet you the young bucks would, would want to work the indies or they'd want these guys to work the indies. But I wonder if there's like, you know, whether it's him or not, like a Tony Khan who's like, no, they're AEW guys. Therefore, they just work AEW. Uh, that's kind of yeah maybe something to to keep an eye on if they if they do stick to that going forward and like you both said you don't want to like WWE has over here you don't want to become the heel in the situation um, if they do start poaching too much from a from a GCW um, next time I see Big Tone I'll mention it to him <laughs> let him know let him know um, but yeah for the show bo- give him a bollocking over Brandy Rhodes and the lines <laughs> on that one. yeah these authority figures been all that off Big Tone if you're listening um, but yeah great show. Definitely check it out and don't get it. Let it get lost in the uh, the SummerSlam week conversation. But a couple of other shows to, to talk about. Uh, but you know, uh, from the weekend, uh, unfortunately, we're onto the WWE segments of the program, and I expected us to come on here and be really excited to talk about this next show, NXT Takeover from Saturday. But uh, the quick, uh, I've got to be honest, I had a little look at Grapple, and I saw you guys rating for the main event. wasn't far from mine. Thought we might have more of an argument on this one, but worst Takeover ever, or at least in the last two years. That's kind of how I felt. Mate, you thought we were going to like this match. I Didn't you like their previous matches? I thought you did. Yeah, but the previous matches, the first match, I was there live, and the emotion the building was out of control. And I thought that from a wrestling standpoint, it was a very, very good match with a kind of weird dynamic, but at the end of the match, a clear babyface heel dynamic. The second match, I thought, was good, while at the same time, a little bit kind of rehearsed if anything this was not what got this feud over this was an absolute joke of a match (laughs) like the feud got over based around 
a wrestling match that was a two out of three falls match, right? But then WWE logic is, well, if you go, it's more than two matches. Must be a big gimmick match. Must be a big gimmick match. And they did this piece of shit. (laughs) So think about New Japan and how they get over feuds based around wrestling. And they carry on having wrestling matches and put spins on those wrestling matches. Zack and uh, uh, Ibushi have had six matches. Not one of them has been a fucking gimmick match. How many matches have Akada and Tanahashi had? They're talking about this as a classic rivalry. You tell me you don't want to see Akada and Tanahashi reaching up for a sledgehammer from from a barbed wire in inverted... That cage, when it came down, what a fucking joke. (laughs) We started openly, like, getting almost quite angry at that point. The grab bag of weapons that they could get. It reminded me of, like, an 80s, like, sort of mid, like, early, late 90s game show. Where you (laughs) see, like, all the, like, Bruce's Price is Right or something. It's like, the prizes are sort of revealed as sort of, like, part of the set opens. And you've got, like, Jenny Powell and another glamour model, like, displaying the prizes. Like, here's the sledgehammer. Or you could be lucky and win this chair instead. What's in the like, bag? Is it thumbtacks? Is it thumbtacks? No, it's something to. It's it's a pair of uh, bolt cutters to take the barbed wire <laughs> off that, that everyone booed. And at that point, a bit of Bruce Forsyth and Jenny Powell would have cheered me right up. I'm not going to lie, because this match was an absolute joke of a match. The WWE's commitment to well, it's a gimmick match, so we must apply the gimmick. It's insane it's out of control chair matches oh so let's book an entire match based around chairs and working with chairs in a completely unorganic and unnatural way do you remember that wade barrett john cena chair match and do you remember what absolute joke that was or the eric rowan big show stare match no you don't no it's fucking awful tables ladders and chairs and stairs do they make, build the usual Big Show massive chair for that one? Oh, did, Big Show. Let's stop talking about him. He's shite. He's got a show called uh, up on Netflix, the Big Show show. Come on. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, this match was... The, the feud was a wrestling feud, yet, yet you've turned it in to an overly gimmicked match that's completely contrived in just about every way possible. You've also just not made the characters in the match make any sense at all. Mm. The Gargano was the best pure baby face, arguably anywhere in the world, 18 months ago. They confused things in the Champa match. They did the weird thing with Alistair Black. They managed to get him sort of back round to that when they were going to do the next Champa match, which then turned into the Adam Cole match. And then the reaction the build in at that show was insane. And then they confused it again in this match when he hit Adam Cole with a chair for the end of the first fall. Like, it just ah, oh, just so bad, like so so bad. It felt kind of like NXT has jumped the shark, and mm. that's a massive shame because really, up until Mania this year, I think takeovers have been the most consistent shows anywhere in wrestling in quite a long Certainly time. Certainly the highlight of WWE product. Mm. Yeah. I used or to be really excited about them. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't enjoy them anymore. Like, I'm, maybe I'm a, I don't know if I'm a heads of the cave or what but it's just it's not for me i think it's the i recognize why people love them but it is this it's it's this endless gargano run on top it's what it is is, i was nxt was 
we were all excited for it at the start because it was like this is going to change WWE. This is going to change. This is different. This is Triple H's vision of wrestling, and it's going to change the way wrestling looks. And all these guys are going to go, you know, are going to be big stars. And like guy after guy going up to the main roster fails. You know, as far as like changing what WWE is, that hasn't happened. As so you can't. You one, you wish for the guys not to go up, and then two, they stick around in NXT like Gargano does because it's probably better for him than him being on Raw and getting run over by Bray Wyatt or whatever the hell else they do with him. But yeah. he gets stale as a result, and it just for me, this whole you know revolution of NXT being the alternative just doesn't doesn't work especially with it being owned by WWE as well so maybe that loses something in me as well and I see people get really excited about these matches and about these takeovers and I checked out a couple of takeovers ago to be honest it's just I just don't enjoy it I don't know it's it's that combination of things that just NXT just Mm. doesn't excite me because I just don't think it's in the grand scheme of things if these guys are all gonna fail when they go to the main roster and if you know the main roster is never gonna change like what's even the point and yeah I you know (laughs) I I, I gave this match three stars and I feel like I went too high on it because Mm. but, but there's people out there who still think this is the best best possible this mel the Shawn michaels melodrama that adam cole and johnny got the, the sorry i love you turned up to 25 stuff still gets good average is 4.11 on grapple for this match what the fuck? i think in that case there's a kind of hive mind mentality of of kind of excess we complained on the last show about about the okada formula we talked we discussed the okada formula rather than a complaint my God, every day of the week and twice on Sundays would I want the Okada formula. What they're, what this version of Epic is, is something that I don't want. It feels like a terrible Kevin Costner three and a half hour overblown film from the sort of late 90s. He thought, well, that's what worked with Dancing with Wolves. It's, it's what, just, so this is the water world of... Uh, no, it's worse than what... And we're talking, mate, we're talking Wyatt Earp type stuff. Or the I've Postman. I've never seen that. This is like the Postman. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. That was shit. That deeply shit. Waterworld, I think, is a little bit underrated. It's personally. really underrated. And the Waterworld ride at Universal Studios is amazing. And my brother, when he went on that, saw J.K. Simmons after he'd been J. Jonah Jameson in the uh, Dennis Hopper role, randomly. Burn Schillinger. <laughs> Lucky bastard, yeah, from, from Oz, legend. Uh, but anyway, off of um, neo-Nazi uh, leader of the Aryan Brotherhood, Burn Schillinger, and back onto this absolute joke of a contest. <laughs> Honestly, I spoke yesterday about um, New Japan being like an HBO drama. Like New Japan is the wire all the Sopranos with layer upon layer, like just so much depth. And WWE, when they find a bit of that, they overproduce it. Mm-hmm. So the Champa Gargano feud started in quite an organic, natural way. I and mean, it just went in these weird directions that were just like way too far, just didn't feel real, didn't feel natural. This is kind of the and I love a bit of EastEnders, but it really is the EastEnders. Or you know what? You know what's utter shit these days when I've had to endure slight bits of it? Hollyoaks. This is what this has kind of turned into. This was more is more for more's sake. And more was not good. Good More was just ridiculous and just a complete turn off of I, it. I actually think I would say the analogy is as you compare like New Japan and, and our complaints are like minimal. They're very, very incremental things. 
and maybe watching G1 has kind of almost in a way cemented this is the kind of wrestling that fundamentally I enjoy I want the stories that are kind of being told in the ring I like the we like the callbacks and yeah some of this stuff is a bit is is niche but it feels like my overall sense watching this kind of, I don't know if you agree with this Benno but it kind of just feels to me like they're just throwing shit up against a wall at this stage even at developmental and it's it's scaring me like mm. it really is because this is meant to be like the high point of it they're going to try and make NXT go head to head with um AEW obviously they've planned that for 15 years before AEW's even created <laughs> it's a massive fucking coincidence again but this like this show made me made me think yeah, NXT is not all it's cracked up to be it with. It was this. at one point. It was at one point. When you said the phrase jump the shark, that's kind of how this this show in particular felt like the main event, like this is completely jump the shark. It almost feels stage. like they've believed their own hype. Yeah. yeah. Whereas New Japan, it never feels like they've ever believed their own hype at any point kind of thing. The work ethics there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the guys work hard in NXT. There's no denying that. And there were still some bright spots mm. on the, on this card, I thought. But at the same time, like, it was the most off NXT show I could ever remember. And also, yeah. I think one of the big problems is that, like, when someone goes to the main roster, that, yeah, they don't get over. When was the last time anyone went up and really got over? Probably Charlotte. I would mm. say is really a Becky Lynch are the only real success Kevin stories. Owens, but he wasn't in NXT for that long, was he? No, I suppose yeah, Sami Zayn's to an extent. Ah, We're going back a while, though. Yeah, we are going back a while, and really, there's not been a revolving door for a while. The kind of top of the card and the mid card have been very much the same for mm. quite a cycle of takeovers, and it used to sort of sort of be freshened up sort of every year or so mm. and I think that's really hurt it if anything I think they do need for the next takeover to kind of get some sort of fresh guys in that yeah. Riddle needs to have a featured match on that next takeover yeah. mm. they need to get someone like a Shane Strickland on there as well mm. uh, they need to take Undisputed Era out of there in a way the problem is is obviously they go to the main roster and then they're fucked they're kind of this fucked the either way well, this is the problem yeah. the, the, the pro- right. if, if they wanted to go with Undisputed Era as a faction get yeah. them over but they're never going to do it are no they? they won't and is Vince going to take one look at Bobby Fish and think oh he looks good no obviously oh, he's going to be it. having him run around after Spud for the 24-7 title <laughs> well I mean oh, that's very entertaining but that's though. the problem you can take these these brilliant workers and brilliant wrestlers, but then you're going to put them in a room with what is the equivalent of a chimpanzee throwing <laughs> shit up against a wall, fucking screaming and clapping his hands. I honestly think, and you're going, right, this person's booking my future. I'm fucked. I honestly think Roderick Strong is one of the best yeah. wrestlers in the entire company. You look at the way he held that triple threat match together, which was an utter mess and was another example of them trying to stick too strictly to a gimmick. Oh, it's a triple threat, so every spot must be a three-man base spot. Why? It just looked ridiculous mm. at points. Mm. But Roddy was holding it together in there. But he goes to the main roster, he's going to die. And yeah. it's really a massive shame because he's a great wrestler. Mm. But he's at the a dead issue end, is- isn't he? That, that's NXT. It's a dead end. Yeah. But aren't they, isn't there kind of like a ceiling to what they're going to be able to earn in NXT as well in terms of their downside guarantees and what they're going to be able to oh, they're, get they're in there? They're still happy to be there, JP. The, 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 the Triple H's kids and they've got an opportunity and, you know, 
As long as you've got your 20 grand downside, think, you're happy. You know what? It's probably a good lifestyle, though. You get yeah, to live in Orlando, true. which is a pretty good place. Mm. You can get your season pass at Disney, pop true. down there. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Gargano and Candice LeRae are down there all the time. If you see their Instagrams. Uh, <laughs> You don't have to travel ridiculous amounts. Mm-hmm. You get to do TV every sort of month or so. Yeah. You get to build these big shows, and you get a reasonable amount of money for it. Like it's not as if they're being like in comparison to probably main roster. Sounds like they should do it with all their wrestlers, really, the main rosters as well yeah. to a degree. But yeah, it's 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 just that at what stage does this become like you realise that you're you're trapped in a catch twenty two that you need to progress but if you progress you die because Gargano is ready to go up yeah they are time is done in NXT oh well he did the curtain call after the match so it looks like but then Triple H said that he's not going up apparently didn't he so but I reckon he'll do one more takeover there'll be a blow up don't need another takeover no more I can't deal with another 45 minutes I can't deal with him doing his dumb getting DQ'd like he's Rick Rude against Ricky Steamboat to to extend it to another I can't deal with it again another four what was he described what was he described as he's sometimes he's really happy sometimes he's really sad sometimes he's very aggressive what is and he just shit for what is character what is it they royally fucked the character the man <laughs> how is many great. baby faces have we said that about the man is a great wrestler on his day like I really believe that I yeah, think he's yeah. ten times the wrestler Jay White is that's for sure but at the same time, I've seen JY have considerably better matches over the last little while. But mm. hey, context is everything. People, people do love it, though. Like, people, are like, again, the grapple rating's high. I read John Pollock's review and he was raving about it. Uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't Even get it. Even Meltzer didn't like this. That one. shocked me. I thought he'd love it. I thought he'd go yeah. 4.75 for the epicness of it. Well, they're saying the over. The over-under on this was five stars. That's what I thought. I really did think that. Uh, plus, you know, Moro was calling it, so that always gets an extra star from Dave. He fucking sucks, by the way. I can't stand oh, Moro. He was terrible on this show. Oh. Moro calling boxing and MMA, I really like. Yeah. But here, he was he was out of, out of control. Like, he was doing my head in. I know it sounds bad, because, I mean, obviously there's been issues about it, but someone needs to have a word oh, to make seriously he's got like a list hasn't he he, he called the fucking matches oh he's got like he must he has something written down I'm sure they showed it in his documentary all his references he's gonna get in his hip hop yeah. references and his movie references and his what was it something structure that he like said in a weird voice fucking he did oh. the Joshi Judas I remember at one point um, hey there's nothing wrong with the reference um, yeah, I mean Matt Stryker has proven that there is that, yeah it? just <laughs> Yeah, the sinister structure, that was it. Fucking, what is he doing? Like, oh, I knew with these people who think he's got, there's going to be people listening to this who, one, thought it was a four and a half star match and two, think Moronalo's good, but uh, I just can't. I just, uh, I ha- I absolutely hated the main event and uh, yeah, I didn't like the show as a whole. When, Go on, JP. I was going to say, did you hear the crowd chanting Mamma Mia as well? I heard them chanting Fight spots. Forever and I was like, fuck off. They better not fight forever because it feels like they're gone. It fucking felt like it. <laughs> ah, it's Pavlov's dogs of these lot, though, isn't it? At the end yeah. of the day, like they'll they'll react on cue to anything when it comes to what they perceive as a cool chant. There's a lack of <laughs> self awareness to a lot of real wrestling crowds these days. And I agree. Uh, these lot were a bunch of morons. <laughs> Hi, Toronto. <laughs> Any highlights on the show, though, lads? Did you enjoy anything on the undercar? Um, wasn't old WH Park there? I think he was. I doubt he would have been. He, he wasn't shouting five forever. He's a good bloke, he is. He'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd, have, he'd have been repping. He'd have been repping. Yeah. I believe. I think... 
when you mentioned about the the high the high stuff on this, the the one the thing I loved the most, and I think by distance was my favorite thing, and it was Io Shirai Candice LeRae. Mm. Um, oh, that was a I was really one of the best that. women's matches that they've done in a long time. And I think I remember Joe saying at the time, "This doesn't feel like a WWE women's match. This feels like something completely different." It felt it, like an indie match. It felt like an indie match. And Io Shirai as the character, I think she seemed to have this down to the point where obviously she's a heel, but you can kind of see her getting over as a baby face as well. There's just a lot more there to it. And Candice LeRae sort of completely... It felt like a breakout well. in-ring performance. It Candace, did, I thought. did feel like a breakout in-ring performance. And also, when you're comparing it to the Shayna Baszler-Mia Yim match... Mm. Like as well, which was I think oh. they should have take they should have put the belt on Io Shirai at the last show mm. and then found a way to get to. They could have done Candice versus Io in a straight face versus face match and then had Io turn after the match here because the belt feels stale on Shayna at this point in time. And I think she should be moved up. Again. Io's the most in. She's the best female wrestler. Oh, in the imagine company. Vince. Imagine Vince with Shayna Baszler. Like as she got a chance, as she <laughs> fuck. Like he'd just be like the state of yeah. and you're old. Bye. <laughs> Well, you know what he's going to base pushing her on? Mm. Yeah. And Charlotte came out of a lot of surgery at SummerSlam, and I thought she looked weird. Mm. But at the same time, Shayna Baszler looks real. And yeah. you look, look at her and think, ah, your lips aren't pumped up. Mm. No, you're not getting a push. <laughs> you're right. But Shayna Baszler's trapped in that place where she should move up. And there is natural spots in that women's roster for her to fit into, to add something serious. Imagine you add her and Tessa Blanchard to that women's mix. You've got six start. You've got six people. You can start doing some really yeah. great stuff with, but, and with, with Shayna, there's like a, she needs to be working with better people. Well, that's this, kind of it. And Mia Yim is, was really a step down. Yeah. I thought she was everyone really, else. And that's including Bianca Belair. And, and yeah, yeah. I thought she was really missing something, but going back to the women's match, I thought that was the best WWE women's match in mm. a long time. Probably since Asuka went up to the main roster. Mm. I was trying to think of a, a better match during that time, but this, and I, I, nothing was coming to mind. I thought in terms of the offense as well, there was some really fun stuff in there. Some quite innovative stuff that you, you hadn't really seen on this sort of stage before. One of the moves that stood out for me was that reverse Rana, which I think Candice then did into a near fall, which mm. she kind of bridged into it. That was great. Like, really, really fun match. Match of a night for me. It's got an average of four on Grapple. So Grapple Grapple uses a great... Oh, well, it's just below the 4.10 for Cole and Gargano. I didn't love it as much as you guys. I gave it 3.25, but I did enjoy the, the face okay. heel work. I just don't think I'd enjoyed anything on the show. Like, I gave so many low ratings. I mean, actually, out of interest, what did you guys give the main event? I mean, I said I gave it three. I almost I'm begrudgingly Three, but out. I'm going back to change it to one star now. <laughs> the I'm looking special. at it. I went... I'm just trying to find it on here. Um... I went two and a half on it um, on that main event. Yeah. I mean, going through the right, yeah, two and a half for that. I think uh, Baszler, Mia, Yim. Two, I gave it. Oh, 1.75. Yeah, I think I gave it that. It's kind of shocking. It's the worst takeover match there's been. Mm. I can't think of a worse one. Possibly there is. The very early takeovers, but I can't think of anything as genuinely (laughs) really out of place. 
Um, what did you go on the triple threat? Well, honestly, apart from that real low point, I pretty much gave everything across the night three stars. It, it was gentlemen threes yeah. all round. I gave the three way three stars. I gave Candice and Ayesha Rai 3.25, but I gave the Street Poppers back three stars as well because uh, it was just a fine tag. It was a three star special and NXT show for me. I don't know if you guys were, were much higher or lower. Uh, I thought it was a th- I mean, three and a half stars. Now, for me, mm. I like Undisputed Era. I think they're uh, what, sort of bright sparks in the ring and NXT as well. The matches have always been good. Tag title matches have been really an integral part of NXT since yes. the introduction of sort of Chad Gable and mm. Jason Jordan and the Revival. And the tag ma- title matches are usually always good and there's usually a good few. I thought this was a good match, but I thought it was the weakest tag title match that I remember yeah. on an NXT TakeOver show in mm. a long time. And I think the Street Profits are a step below the tag teams they put in these positions previously. Yeah, they got more charisma than, say, a Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. But on an NXT show, those guys are going to give you a better match against the likes of the Undisputed Era. Mm. And I think coming off, say, like War Machine as well, and that great mm. War Machine against Ricochet and Alistair Black match we got earlier this year. Yeah, this was a, a step below what mm. we're kind of used to. Yeah, I felt that way. And it, but it also is the confused storyline where you got the Street Profits appearing on Raw and backstage segments and on SummerSlam. Right I'm confident in them. They don't have to, you don't have they to be will. that good in ring. Like, they, 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 but them. it doesn't help. Oh, go on. Mm. I was going to say, but it doesn't help in terms of developing a story for this. True. Yeah, 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 there is. Sorry, you were going to say. To be no. honest, I prefer I prefer crime time. What <laughs> <laughs> um, did? That's you... what they are. Let's be honest. Um... Right, it's it's the same thing, but obviously the less overt. Look, give me JTG and a bit of Shad Gaspard any day. <laughs> that music was a belting tune, <laughs> and I especially love the feud they had with Big Show and Chris Jericho. That was a Cracking little feud that one was. Back in the day. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for crying time, and I do have time for the, for the Street Profits as well. I do like them. Didn't they appear yeah. Joey Janela's Spring Break? They did. I was yeah. loving it, mate. <laughs> Perfect. Um, anything on the uh, the three way, or are we doing on NXT? I thought Velveteen Dream looked off the pace. I thought I enjoyed Pete Dunne doing a doing a Super Dragon uh, curb stomp. That was kind of it, though, really, for me. I didn't because a, uh, that sort of curb stomp should be a finisher, not True. just a match move done there um i'm really like i've worked out that was the third pete dunn match i've seen this year and i still you can see him yeah. progress though mate in september oh was he on that yeah, yeah when announced. was that announced yesterday oh i won't be going um <laughs> last time i saw pete dunn at ali pally was it that awful match he had against travis banks in that main event yeah yeah, yeah i won't be going to that um pete dunn has lost something for me like i think it's probably just his attitude over this whole David Starr thing and the whole um, kind of WWE Kool-Aid sort of approach. And I usually hate people judging wrestlers for their personality on Twitter. But I think this is one of those times that maybe the first time that's kind of had an impact on my opinion of someone Mm. when I'm watching them. I thought the match was a mess. I thought Roderick Strong held it together and showed what a great wrestler he is. Would you anything yeah. on that, JP, or anything on it? Um, just while we're there, Pete Dunne progress. Is he is he going to sell some tickets? He's not going to sell any to us. I think at this point, it's like he like, won't sell any to us. Goodbye, and it's just it's like desperate, isn't it? Bring back the DDB guy. Um, there is how much of this stuff has been goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I'm back three months later. Wait till uh, I'm waiting for Jimmy Havoc to return at chapter one hundred. Yeah, he's got to say goodbye. he's back. He's back in progress. He's got Third to say time he's back this year. Yeah, exactly. He'll probably have a good old laugh and be like, "Well, I'm going to meet you with a chair, mate. Remember that back in the day? Yeah, when you were good." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it does. It's yeah. It doesn't sell anything to me. But then again, I've as we've all realised, we're not the market it's catering towards, is it? It's no. WWE fans. That's people, what it is. People who like Gargano versus Cole in a three stages of hell match. Three stages of hell. What a shit, shit concept for a match. They've all been bad. Triple H and Austin was all right. It was all right. It was too long. Triple and H Triple went over I don't think that was wrong. Triple H and Austin never had good matches. Mm. I honestly believe that. I honestly think that Austin didn't trust Triple H. And I, I think good tri- fucking reason. Triple H was resentful of Austin in some way. And I never felt that good reason. Went over, that was like the month before Rock and Austin at Mania. Mania. And Triple they H claim it was, went over Austin. They claim it was to play into that match and Austin's paranoia and why he turned heel and all the rest of it. But Somebody nah. had paranoia. It wasn't Austin. <laughs> somebody's somebody's never had yeah, yeah. It's, it's true his paranoia is up there with Vince's fucking mentalness isn't it I mean well, I think there's the no two good are... guts on NXT takeover though JP at least there's that at least he, he made that clear in his conference call after the show when, I could... when Mike Johnson asked him about that and was like oh you know Vince uh, had to go with the blood and guts on the AEW show he did just run a three stages of hell match and he was bending himself in in, in knots trying to say oh well, well there was no blood um, you know, we do, we do, you know, but then Mike Johnson was like, yeah, but there was barbed wire. And he's like, ah, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. and he, he was just, he didn't like being questioned at all. He's a mini Vince. He, he's always going to be. But I think as well, I mean, sorry to go back to that match when you mentioned about like the blood and guts, it just felt for me that the whole thing was Triple H wanted to see his two guts. sons fight over the fucking sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, that, the way the sledgehammer was framed. I forgot to mention that sledgehammer was framed as if you know that when they had those cars or boats on the prices, right? Yeah. It was like that was like the big reveal of like what the ultimate prize for getting all the cards was on the show. Like ah oh, and the shot and the close up of the yeah. sledgehammer. Ugh, Triple H is like I don't know, like legacy. Ah. Yeah, I'll stop because I'm just getting angry. I probably need to move on. <laughs> Definitely. Um, anything more on, on that Triple H takeover, or should we talk the actual good WWE show of the weekend? Well, not good, but okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll t- let's talk the other WWE show. I can't go as far as good. I was kind. Of, I was into it to be honest. I really okay. Good, probably really? strong. Good, strong. Like. JP, I stayed up till half three watching a WWE show. And to be yeah, honest, I spent the first two and a half hours moaning about it. Like, I'd, I'd gone out away, I'd, I'd actually gone to the shop and I'd gotten snacks in for it. I was that excited. Uh, I kind of, I posted a picture on Twitter <laughs> of me bubblegum Haribo and me, I think he, I think he's a thing down south. Or is it just a normal No, snack? I saw this. Other what are these? Snack? Are they okay. basically like chipsticks? Uh, the softer than chipsticks, I would say. Um, very, very Never heard of soft and Morris, the 10p, and you get, you get, get the very small packets, but you end up eating about 10 packs. It's that kind of thing. Did People you get them from Heron Foods? No, I didn't. I didn't, sadly. Uh, I did go to Home <laughs> Bargain today, but no, I got these from like a local corner shop, which is why, yeah, if, you, if anyone saw my photo on, on Twitter, I had Spicy Rings, I think was one, uh, which could be something else, Ooh. JP. Um, <laughs> had some party so, mix as well, but I uh, yeah, I felt like Gareth called me the uh, the snack correspondent of of Grapple. I'll take that because I really did. I I, I kind of loaded up like I'm gonna watch this big DDB show. I'm gonna be at home on my own. I might as well enjoy it, get some food in, and enjoy it. And then I got halfway through the pre-show and I remembered that I don't like WWE, the storylines, the presentation, or any of the wrestlers. So I was in for a long four hours. But genuinely, 
I, I thought there was there was a lot of shite on this show, but if you just took the good stuff, then you would have like a a very very good show in your hands. It's just a shame that they they pile these shows with so so much crap. You all right, mate? <laughs> you didn't like it? No, I mean, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my thingies have kind of uh, gave me a bit of a, a rush last night, but other than that, I'm okay. I'm feeling good. I enjoyed, Did you, you didn't enjoy Goldberg squashing Dolph Ziggler in a minute? I enjoyed that. that oh yeah, there, there was stuff on here that I I, I did enjoy. Um, mm. I was just a bit worried about you, Benno, because you convinced <laughs> yourself that you were going to be in for a great night yeah, uh, watching yeah. this and stayed up I till think, silly o'clock. I was throw I was go, throwing myself back to like WrestleManias and SummerSlams of old, thinking this was going to be a big night. And in the end, I slept in and missed the G1 final. So more for <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, there were bits of this I enjoyed. Uh, I ended up watching the first hour live. I was reading a book, and it was like on in the background while I was reading. So I'd like look in every now and then, mm. and then I stopped for Goldberg Ziggler, and <laughs> then the shit video packages and adverts came on, and I went back to the book, and then the entrances happened. Best way to carry on with the book, and then I watched it. Um, so yeah, the book was probably better than some of the matches that well, I was having watched. To be honest, um, it's called uh, "The Films of the Eighties: A Social History," and I was reading a chapter on different categories of Vietnam War films. A lot on Rambo. Really good uh, little read, actually. Yeah, um, recommend it if you like your Vietnam War films and your yeah. analysis of American social policies in the eighties. Um, but yeah. Goldberg Ziggler, I enjoyed, but I got to be honest, the alternative commentary of Goldberg Ziggler was much better than <laughs> Goldberg Ziggler. JP, yeah, I have to say, and it, as the Matt Riddle correspondent a, of Grapple, yes, well, Matt Riddle's best friend. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, he's certainly mine. I don't know if I'm his best friend, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of the. Like almost the big highlight of the show to Don't a certain degree. Actually, apart... on YouTube? So yeah, it was on the watch along, which I've never seen. I didn't seen know it was before. a thing. No. It seems far too dangerous I, for them to put I out. was I was on the network trying to find like a button you could press because that'd be you know just alternative commentary or something. Uh instead I'd I never listened to anything else rather yeah. than the shite I'm out there. <laughs> I just dealt with buffering all night instead and a progress bar that wouldn't go away. This new WWE network yep. shite, but you know, if they added, added more Matt Riddle, I'd be up for it. Oh, mate, he was awesome. It was like 10 minutes. So it's, you know, he's explaining what happened with this backstage all altercation and the idea of him saying, it's okay, bro. And Goldberg repeatedly going, I'm not your bro. And kind of just like him laughing it off. But then they watched the, the match, match. And the way he, like, just tears into Goldberg. Like, Shayna Baszler's with him and says, oh, he, he, had, he did some training with Mark Coleman. And Riddle doesn't believe her. I mean, he's like, well, if he trained with Coleman, he won't know any takedown. What is it? He won't know any takedown defense. And or he, he doesn't have any stand-up. Yeah, and it was like, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> and then he starts chanting, Goldberg. Then he starts talking about how Goldberg's got great entrance music. And then he starts laughing. When Goldberg kicks out a Ziggler's super kick at one, he's like, of, of course. course. <laughs> <laughs> this man is gold like oh. but this company won't understand i don't think what gold they've got in their hands yeah like this is the star that they can't create because they want everyone to be 
a certain way and a corporate shill. Roman Reigns is not Roman Reigns. Like, what what we see on screen is not Joanna Y or whatever his name is. Matt Riddle is every bit of Matt Riddle. Like, JP was saying, he's exactly the same on this WWE watch-along as he is down the alley next to the Dundee Arms. <laughs> it was the best thing I've seen in WWE in years. It was genuinely hilarious. I was in stitches, wasn't I? Like, yeah. I was laughing out loud throughout it. It was amazing. <laughs> I was still surprised it was up on YouTube. I yeah. thought it'd be pulled down. I saw the clip of them talking about meeting Goldberg. Was that during this segment? That was the only bit I saw or watch along where he was he, talking about. Oh, it God. was. It was before the match comes on. So they're sort of mentioning it as they're talking about, uh, it might've been at the start and then they, they're there for, um, Titus O'Neil's with them, weirdly. But oh. he's just a corporate shill throughout it. He's yeah. just doing safe stuff. Shane is saying bits and pieces out into Riddle's conversation. Riddle just takes over mm. and just turns it into like a comedy bit. And it's just great because he doesn't give a fuck. And I think he's thinking to himself, okay, I either get over as a major superstar and they give me this match with Goldberg and maybe they put me over him and maybe I get Brock or fuck it, I get the sack. What's the worst that can happen? He probably won't get the sack. It's a great shame. But he's given it a good fucking go. And he looked <laughs> high as a kite as oh, well. Oh, he really did, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't that, tell. If, I can't tell. Is it a work or not, JP? What do you reckon? Like this goal because he was saying like that story was that he met Goldberg backstage and Goldberg it was like, "Don't call me bro," and then he just carried on calling him bro. Uh, I was yeah. saying that they had the other unfinished business and Riddle saying, "Well, you know where to find me." Like, I, is that a work? Is it? Is he? Work? He's work. Triple H doesn't seem to be bothered on the takeover conference call. He's like, "Ah, oh, Matt Riddle can mm. do what he wants. He's he's a he's a big lad. He'll do what he wants." Like, I'd love it if this was built to a match, but it's probably not, is it? And if it did, Goldberg would have to go over in a minute and a half, so maybe it's not the best thing. Nah, 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 nah. If he does, I'm I'm never watching WWE ever again. <laughs> Fair. It's, they, yeah, it's like Joe said, they don't know what they have in their hands with no. him. This is, this is him. This is who he is. You're just having a chat with him. He's, he's this kind of a bloke. He's just an easy guy to get along with. And if he didn't like something, he's not going to fucking hide it either. He's going to say... Yeah, I've got a problem with this. And, you know, at times, it's his diplomacy mm. that is the kind of biggest kick in Goldberg's balls of all. So he's like, I'm not a fan of, let's just call it his technique. <laughs> and and it's, so it's, it's so cutting. And that's the thing. About, and, it's, and it's all naturally him. This, these aren't like these, these kind of scripted lines. He just decided to do it. Mate, he's doing stoner Conor McGregor, yeah. essentially. Like... Think about it this way. Right? And they wouldn't get that character. This is... So I I want to think that Paul Heyman likes Matt Riddle. And Paul Heyman works closer with Goldberg and Brock, obviously. And this is a way of getting to that match. And maybe Heyman saying, just go on. I've got you on for this segment. And just talk shit about Goldberg. Just be yourself and talk shit. This is what I hope the situation mm. is. Mm. And when he gets his match with Goldberg, maybe at a Royal Rumble, and then he faces Lesnar at Mania or something... I can wish. I, I'm probably wrong. I like to think that is true. But this is... Think about the Jericho feud in 1998 with Goldberg. Mm. It's like an internet age version of the Jericho feud, where Goldberg's really got no involvement with this feud. Oh, no. But Matt Riddle is trying to get himself over yeah, by just thing, railing on Goldberg. It, it's, it's and he's great. not wrong, is he? It, it, I like Goldberg. I oh, enjoy he's got Goldberg for what he is. Oh, but yes. it, it's great. And Matt Riddle... 
I hope this match happens. And yeah. if Goldberg goes over, then it just sums up and encapsulates everything <laughs> that is wrong with this company because they've got a possible star on their hand. And if they don't realize that, then, well, they probably don't realize that, but Jesus. Well, they kind of like... You know, they're old, you know, the way they make those WCW documentaries and all they do is make fun of all the shit, all the things WCW got wrong. I'll bet you're in, like, several of them. They go over that Goldberg-Jericho segment. Oh, they should have done a match. How bullshit was it that Goldberg just speared Jericho in the aisle? They got the chance now to rewrite history. Don't do that. Do it properly. Have Matt Riddle go over. Won't happen, though. Yeah, exactly. They, they, WCW in their mind only exists for them to insult and somehow weirdly pretend it's there. Mm. It's like Trump supporters having to go at Hillary Clinton after the election. It's like the election's over. <laughs> You're still just going on about this stuff. Do you know how I'd do Goldberg Riddle? Mm. I'd have Riddle knee him in the face, but then I'd have Goldberg come up with a couple of spears. I'd have, I'd have Riddle kick out. I'd have him reverse a jackhammer, do his own jackhammer for a near fall. Then out of nowhere, as Goldberg's going for another spear, I'd have him knee him, pin him. Then I'd do a rematch, and he beats him in seven seconds, like he did Trent, or six seconds, like he did Trent Seven. One knee, done. On to Brock. Made yeah. a star. You've made a Superstar. <laughs> Give me a job. Yeah, there you go. And then they listen to this podcast, and you're the shit I've said, and I get sacked straight away. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, you're not past those references. You working at WWE would be... I mean, you'd have to walk in there with a film crew for a start, just to kind of, just to just to go right. What kind of we're making a documentary about what happens with this guy in WWE? <laughs> and me, yeah. And a, you in a booking meeting, how you take that? You'd just be walking in. I think it'd be an audience of two, and that'd be you and Benno. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got plenty of listeners out there, Joe. I thought they'd enjoy it too. Yeah, they would do. Go apply for the next job that comes up. What, <laughs> WWE? Yeah, of course. No, I don't think... I think my girlfriend's going to move to Connecticut at his home soon. <laughs> Lovely well, Maybe she will. Yeah, she, actually, she might. Close to New York. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's <laughs> on. It's on. JP, can you help me with the application form? Oh, yeah. Not that I need your help, but we'll, we'll have shits and giggles. Oh, yeah. Me and you, WWE application form. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Yeah. Any vet and checks, mate, I'll sort you out. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah you've got this fucking sorted we'll kill now. some time at work this week by having a look at jobs in WWE corporate or something Joe yep. answering to Vince McMahon that's all I want uh, hey I'll be, I'll be the next nails <laughs> <laughs> let's just hope those nails don't end up like those nails rumours um, fingers crossed uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah the match was good I mean, I, I, Goldberg you know for the, for the jokes like, I said this on Twitter on the, on the night, JP. Like, Goldberg, considering he's, like, 50-odd, he's got twice the charisma and presence of pretty much anybody on the main roster. Yep. And it's not all their fault. There are guys who should have that, who, who've got that charisma and should have that presence, but have had it beaten out of them. But fuck me. Look, he came across like a star. And, yeah, Dolph Ziggler, I hate. Uh, I've never been a fan of, but he was great in the role of, you know, the whole thing, getting on the mic and shouting up Goldberg to come back and stuff. And he was, he made those spears look like a million dollars. Got to give it, hat off to it, to Dolph Ziggler for being up for it. He did. I mean, fundamentally, I kind of, I'm not a Ziggler fan either. So in a sense, I was like, I'd not be less time. bothered by it than what I was when he, when he beat Kevin Owens in like a minute and a half. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That felt like genuinely antagonistic. Quite antagonistic. I think he beat him in about ten seconds, didn't he? 
I, there was a bit of stalling at the start. Oh, was there? Yeah. yeah that was it. But one of the things, again, riddle long commentary when Ziggler was uh, riddled doing the watch along when they were talking about Ziggler was saying, come back into the ring. He's like, look, he's saying the right stuff, but completely the wrong time. And I had to completely agree with him. That was the issue I had with it. It's like the stuff he was saying about come out and face me like a man and the rest of it. He was saying it all after the little goal, but kept on coming out and then doing that to him. So it felt a bit weird. Maybe Riddle, that's just Riddle me. was getting ready to go out there and get Goldberg as well, wasn't he? One, he was, yeah. Putting his one... flip-flops on. Oh, it was great. <laughs> he was also, oh, the bit where he's... Oh, sorry. There's a bit where he says... They're talking about like what he's wearing, and he go, he says something like, I got to dress business cash. And he's there in a suplex hat backwards, a shirt and tie, and he's... Uh, it's, Trousers and flip-flops. He's got the same attitude that I'd have to having to dress business fucking casual. Why are you having to dress business casual when you're backstage at a wrestling show? It's utter nonsense, and Matt Riddle sees that, and Matt Riddle's made a joke about it. Sorry, I'm, I'm, oh, you I'm can, just going off. These are the things you can put right, Joe, when you get the job, though. Do we get rid of the dress code? You know, yeah, Why don't I mean, we employ a dress code? Why don't when we record every podcast, we've got to dress <laughs> business cash so we can sit around in some really ill-fitting, horrible, ugly trousers with our dress socks on, our <laughs> shoes on, our ties, sweating our fucking asses off, looking like a pair of fucking melons sat on JP's sofa. That'd be fun, <laughs> won't it? You're not on TV tonight, but I dress business cash. Ridiculous. Joe, get that Sorry. job. I don't know how tired you are to you know to you know your current situation, but you know you could you could even marry into the McMahon family. family. Joe McMahon, that could be a thing. No. You could put this thing. <laughs> Fall in love with. I Steph. think I'd have to wait for some McMahon daughters to grow up. Aurora Rose might be a bit young for me. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> and in fairness as well, Joe, when you do get the job there, you've got a fuckload to sort out. I don't know. I hey. thought you were going to say you need to fuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> I don't know how to say anything to that. I've heard you say it before. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Can't <I> promise. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> SummerSlam. Try and get it back on track. <laughs> SummerSlam. You know what was good? Did you enjoy it, Benno? You know what I really enjoyed and what kind of gave, like, as much as it was a slog for the first two hours and I almost went to bed at several points, there were a couple of things. You shouldn't that say could... that about any show. No, it, was you... a, it was a slog for the first two hours. Dude, I was just happy that it wasn't four and a half hours long, to be honest. It went three and a half and that was enough. I was happy with that. I think, it, but, but genuinely, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar had my favourite WWE match in months and maybe aside from the Daniel Bryan match at WrestleMania in years. I really loved that. I gave it 4.25 on Grapple. Uh, the average right now is sitting uh, around that. I'll double check that now, but I really enjoyed mm. that. I thought I love the story of Seth. I like the undercurrent of story of like I genuinely I think out of pure hatred, like what you were saying earlier, Joe, about Pete Dunne. Like I feel the same way about Seth Rollins now. He's just sully. I never liked him anyway, but he's really sullied his name with me with the Osprey stuff and him having a go at Moxley. I just just don't really like him as a human being, and I was literally watching this pay-per-view and the only thing keeping me awake was I can't wait for him to get booed out the building. I can't wait for that. Like, I'm vindictive. And then he came out to the Toronto crowd. He got booed out the building. But I tell you what, with great work and with a really good match with Brock Lesnar where Brock actually looked motivated for once, you know, grabbing him by that... He had, like, the rib tape over Seth Rollins and he was launching him around. Like, just... It has to be seen to believe the gift's well worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Like, genuinely... Went from me wanting Seth Rollins to get booed out the building and looking forward to this shit show to going, you know what? The work in the match was so good. 
maybe some no selling aside that the building turned around on Seth Rollins. And I'm not going to say I'm a Seth Rollins fan at this point, but I kind of forgave him for a little bit because I love this thing. And yeah, I don't know. Am I the high man? 4.25? Too much? I went four. I went four. And Average on grapple is 3.87. Oh, so 3.87? Mm, harsh is on grapple. It just really is. But good. Good. There's a there's a quality control in there, and that's and that's pretty. <laughs> I have to say though, four stars for this. The match it really remind it reminded me of was the Reigns match from Mania. Yes, the one that Rollins won the Money I in the Bank. That Reigns and I match. preferred that one because that had real sort of state. But the structure of the match as well, sort of hitting the big moves early on, hitting the curb stomp at the start, like you say, when when Lesnar then started, you know, doing his suplexes and then throwing them around using the. Um, uh, what do you call it around his uh, waist? The taping around his oh, around good. the ribs. That was really good stuff. But you know, there were big moments in this match that kind of really held it together. And it wasn't that long. And it you and Lesnar worked. We say Lesnar worked his art arsehole in this. Lesnar essentially is like a bloke who just sits on the dole forever. Yeah, he's getting a big fucking. Dole check every couple of weeks. It's an incredible it? dole check. That's for assuming. sure. But he sat on his ass on his sofa, not applying for jobs. He's just there cashing his dole every week, turning <laughs> up to Raw every now and then. And occasionally, once every nine months, he's got to put his finger out of his ass and show that he's applied for a job, possibly, <laughs> so that his dole can carry on. He can get his next big contract. And he did it. He worked his ass off for the first time since Survivor Series, and it was a bloody good match. Best. Best main roster match since the Daniel Bryan Kofi Kingston match at WrestleMania, mm. I think, yeah, yeah. easily. Um, yeah, four stars for me. I think we've been spoiled by depth in New Japan recently and multi layered storytelling that takes place in matches and has years of build around it. And this was a match that could have had that considering their interactions over the years, but it was just a match uh-huh. and it was a very, very good match. Mm. Um, it was the best performance I've seen from Seth Rollins in God knows how long. I can't remember mm. the last time I saw him put in a performance like this. Mm. And Lesnar looked up for it and he was motivated. Also, Paul Heyman was great during this Oh, match. his facials oh. during the match are tremendous. Like when, when Lesnar's suplexing him around and he's looking so happy just with his like kind of hands on his cheeks, resting his elbows on the mat, just sort of watching away with a big smile on his face. It was, su- it was superb stuff. And I have to say it was a cut above for me pretty much everything else I saw on this show. That's the thing, because like, I watched the show not really expecting to love this match because I'm tired of Brock and I don't like Seth, mm. and I loved it. And the match I expected to love, AJ Styles and Ricochet, fuck me. Like that that one, I think it's, it sent you to sleep, didn't it, Joe? Because uh, like that's the point you went to bed, you said, when you were watching this. Because, like, oh my, how would you be... This is my like I'm I can say really nice things about that main event and I enjoyed the Goldberg thing and there's a couple of other things I liked on the show as well but nothing sums up WWE for me than AJ Styles and Ricochet having a match and it being one of the most bo- how'd you make that bad how'd you make that boring like I know AJ is a bit of maybe over the hill strong but you know his best years are behind him at this point it's been a couple of years since he's been killing it uh, most of that's probably you know to do the representation of him he's getting a little bit older but still i expect more out i expect aj styles and ricochet to go out there and kill it in front of a hot toronto crowd and instead they go out there and ricochet does as well osprey impression and they do the the leg selling stuff and the, they slow down the match and there's 
club interference, although we did get that great spot where Ricochet got to step over the, the two of them and then do a dive to AJ in the early going, so at least there was that. But it had so many of those slow WWE main event TV match tropes that even with a hot finish and even with a great spot like that, I gave this three on grapple and I felt like I was being generous, if anything. Yeah, I put the book down at this point and thought, I'll actually concentrate on this one and give it a proper watch. And I didn't need to bother, really. Uh, yeah, at this point, I was like, I'm going to bed. Yeah. It, like, it just felt like the most over-agented match. It was like, well, it's third on the card, so you can't be stealing the show. So you're going to get this long, and no, you've got to slow the match down here. Let's be economical. Let's use this moment of high flying, but let's not follow up on that. Uh-huh. Like, there needs to be more consistency. Like, if they're going to get Ricochet over as a star, there needs to be energy in the match. Mm. And there were some nice moments in there, like that thing that he sort of, like, jumped on Anderson and Gallows and went onto AJ in the uh-huh. first move of the match. The end was that they took from that low-key uh, AJ match years ago in yeah, TNA, yeah. which I loved, was awesome as well. So there were nice moments. But the body of the match was so dull. Yeah. And it felt like one of those matches where it's in the hands of an agent and the agent's idea of what a good match is is about 30 years out of date. If Road Dog was the agent on this match, then Road Dog can get to fuck. I don't know if he was. But how many of these guys are currently agents? Oh. Like, how many of them have wrestled in the last 25 years? And how many of them were able to produce matches of the caliber that, of AJ Styles and Ricochet? Let's mm. be honest. You know, maybe, I don't know, Jamie Noble was the agent of the match. He was a good wrestler. He's not wrestled in a long time. He didn't wrestle this modern style that got AJ Styles and Ricochet, and Ricochet modernizing the style even more over. And it just felt redundant. Mm. It also is a, an... A, Kind of WWE being the victim of repetition because they've done this match several times on Raw. I've not seen any of the other matches, but they've all sounded pretty lacklustre. Mm. Oh, yeah, they killed him in the booking as well, where I'm just constantly losing. Um, Ricochet should be special and should be a star, and you can tell he's another guy that Paul Heyman definitely likes. Um, yep. He's trying to get going again, but yeah, match like this just isn't isn't the way to do it, unfortunately. And yeah, I. I, I Again, like this is this is a match where you know I went three on it. What did you guys give it on grapple? I went three. Three. It's, for me, this needs to be high spot, high spot, high spot, high yeah. spot. <laughs> like, just well, let Ricochet get over. Basically, AJ's yeah. over. Yeah. AJ didn't need to control the match. It no. was just a silly approach. And also, again, it just sums up WWE. When did the club get back together? <laughs> the OC they are now, Joe. Uh, right. Oh. Why did they split up in the first place? Remember they split them up when they were really hot? Ah, and why know. did they just put them back together? It's just the team doing point? something with Ballard as well. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it's the video, isn't it? You can't ask those questions. You're better off floating in, floating out, watching watching the matches you want to see and moving on. You don't need to watch the TV every week. Well, yeah. I, I am on the uh, WWE job listings, and it does say when you click onto it. <laughs> And this might be why these guys, you know, the, in the club's case, have any contracts. It says, where champions work. And currently, I've opened up an application for a job in London, which is just for a general job. But if anyone's interested in me applying for jobs, there's a writer's job on there. Uh, might be able to do that. LA based in that yeah. one. Senior director, marketing studios. Uh, what else is there on here? 
Um, there is a writer's assistant job, <laughs> a social media editor. So, you know, if you want me to apply for one of these, just give us a shout. Get you I'll... back on Twitter in the biggest possible way, you handling the WWE Twitter account. Well, I won't have to be on Twitter. I won't have a profile. I'll just be handling the, the content of a Twitter. And I'll be doing a better job than Vince McMahon does writing, rewriting TV every week. Sponsorship manager, market, market, ma- market manager at New York. So, yeah, I'll be applying for some of these. <laughs> Give it a go. Joe McMahon, it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> you know what won't happen to the Joe McMahon, though, JP? And I hope you watched it because I know Joe didn't. Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor? Bray Wyatt. Uh, Yes, uh, <laughs> I watched. You should watch. Honestly, Joe, like I try, I try, I played with you in, in in our what in our uh, Facebook messenger group. Like this mm. is going to be stale in three months, and there's all that you know. And then the bell rings with Bray Bray Wyatt. I get it, but fucking hell. as far as like what WWE can do well, the presentation of him, the music, the the entrance with the mask and the lantern with his old head on, which was quite like. Adult for WWE TV, you know, with his kind of his mouth open, like horror style with the lantern inside. It was very, like, severed head horror movie style. The entrance was great. Like I say, the music was great. You know, WWE, this, they could do stuff like this, and it's genuinely great and creative. It's going to get run into the ground soon, because we all felt like this when Bray Wyatt first debuted. But, JP, I thought this was fucking awesome. Go on, JP. <laughs> no, go on, Joe. I, I'll, I'll, Joe I'll go on, Joe. You go first. I made Joe try and have a did look you? at this. Brilliant. I did, and we got in. We were here with my son because I watched it. Strong, Joe. Uh, like with my son. What are your thoughts on it? Fucking awful. Oh no, it was great. Mate, this was as bad as the gimmicked cage of the NXT Takeover. Right, oh. Bray Wyatt, 2013. I sat in a pub <laughs> before a York Hall show, hearing people talking about how he's the greatest heel ever. Me and my brother were looking at each other across the table like, are these lot fucking nuts? He's going to be dead in a year to 18 months. They're going to forget about him. He's not going to be special. Oh, he does a walk like the Exorcist. And... It doesn't what what's it doing in the match? Yeah, it stands out and it's a bit confusing, it's a bit awkward. But this stuff's fucking shit. Also leaves himself exposed to be absolutely twatted as one of the It's not wrestling. Yeah. I get that wrestling is song and dance and showmanship as yeah. well, right? This is not wrestling. This is gimmicky rubbish. I hate supernatural gimmicked crap. It's rubbish. I didn't care for this entrance. <laughs> Benno, you're a madman. <laughs> Get this over with. I hope I never have to see Bray Wyatt ever again in my life because he's a shit wrestler. His commitment is based around a gimmick. He's not Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts was great. This is rubbish. Oh. And they'll devalue him and he'll be dead within a year. I won't I, argue I with put that. Good money on it. I won't argue with that. Proper. I couldn't give a fuck <laughs> about horror-based paraphernalia and impressive, I don't know, set des- uh, production design, I suppose, yeah. or art direction in WWE. It's not what I watch wrestling for. <laughs> I don't care about zany, stupid characters. I, I, I can imagine Jim Smallman going, it's great, that new Bray Wyatt. He did gimmick, love it. He did love no. it. That's what he was going no. on, Oh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. And where's it going to be? And what does it all mean, ultimately? Because it doesn't mean It's got to be the next one. Take a joke. Come on. Yeah, they said that six years ago. That did, did it. And you know what? I like The Undertaker from 1997. I didn't like The Undertaker before that. His matches were shit. I didn't like the gimmick or the supernatural bollocks. If my dad walked in during this, would I be embarrassed? Yes, I fucking would. If he walked in during, I don't know, 
Tanahashi Osprey would have been embarrassed. No. He'd probably marvel at the athleticism on screen and be like, well, this is all right, actually. This is a joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> JP thoughts. Like Joe, I also think the entrance isn't too bad. Um, <laughs> whoa, an entrance. Oh, it's an entrance. It's done. They're in the ring now. Oh, look, they've remixed his music. And like I've had remixes of songs in clubs. I'm sure when JP was going to fabric in the late 90s, he had remixes of, I don't know, Spice Girl songs or something. Did you, JP, confirm that? I can't remember those, but I really don't remember too much. Another story for another time. Um, (laughs) I don't know how I can follow that up. I like the lamp. I know that. (laughs) Fucking lamp! (laughs) We might have to... In terms of the match... (laughs) It was a mid-90s WF squash, wasn't it? It was like Monster of the Week Undertaker build. Yeah. Or like the the monster they built for Sting in early 90s WCW. They'll they'll, they'll fuck it up. Like, they're not going to stick to it. Oh, this is the next thing of this, which I... I, The next stage is Demon versus Fiend, Mm. which... Again, just to bring up um, the image from uh, the show, lo- show last night, can you imagine Joe strapped down Malcolm McDowell style being made to watch that? <laughs> the Demon versus the Fiends, like 20 minutes on a WWE pay-per-view. Look, when Malcolm McDowell is strapped down in that field, he's, he's out of it. I'd rather be as out of it as he is at a clockwork orange washing that, but as conscious as I was earlier when you forced me to watch it. <laughs> we didn't we didn't even make it through. <laughs> we made it to him getting into the ring. I don't even think the lights were up. And it Look, was... find the gif of the Alan Partridge shoulder shrug when he's told about that guy. <laughs> currently yeah. revamping current affairs because that's how little I care. For... Well, we've got a show oh, do you Bray Wyatt? Uh, I don't know where to go from there. New Bray Wyatt will go the way of New Coke. That didn't last long, yeah. did it? No. Oh, I don't doubt that. This is going to die in its... It's, it's going to die in its arse in six months. Yeah, most likely. I, would, uh, I wouldn't disagree with any oh, of that. All right, then. Joe, I'll give you the floor. You must have loved Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens, at least. Did oh, you enjoy that? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was great. Shane McMahon throwing terrible punches... Kevin Owens having to sell for them, always entertaining, and Shane's always up for killing himself. So, yeah, I thought you might enjoy that one, at least. He didn't kill himself enough. That would be my mm. only criticism of the match. <laughs> it was, I did enjoy it, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. I was talking to JP son about the way, I love the way that Shane McMahon is presented <laughs> and represented as this, like, like great wrestler who is unbeatable and no one can get over him and he was kind of like oh yeah i suppose he is so we're having a good little chat about that i couldn't believe how over kevin owens was i suppose it's canada Mm. and you know what the crowd kind of made the match much more Mm. enjoyable this was my second favorite match i didn't watch the whole card this is my second favorite match on the card and i thought owens was actually really good in the match to be honest with you um he kind of led shane through the match and had to do a lot of selling for really bad shane offense but great shane offense at the same time and yeah I, i it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. A Smoke massive and mi- guilty pleasure. Smoke and mirrors, and I'll ta- I will take this kind of shame at man guilty pleasure. I gave it three and a half on Grapple. I'll give that 
a rating better than I'll ever give a Ricochet at AJ Styles, uh, at least in that presentation that WWE do. If, if, got, if you're going to watch WWE, this is the shape that I want to see. Yeah, the, the way they laid this out was was very cunning. In fact, it was, hate hate to almost say, it was like a good use of Elias in its own strange way, which I didn't... Probably didn't the longest so. I've ever seen Elias on my screen for, because I think <laughs> I've skipped through everything he's ever done when I've watched a WWE show, apart from that WrestleMania when I was there live and had to endure his shit. But <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. Yeah, and it all worked. Stone Cold um, Kevin Owens. Tracking stunner. Yeah. I Very don't know, it hasn't got the impact for me. It's too bouncy. It's not got the... the yeah, it's, it's not an Austin Funga. stunner. Yeah. It's not the original, but it, look, it was better than the stunner Vince had to take. Wasn't That's it? true. Yeah, yeah. I'm better yeah. Than so so at least, you know, he's the best of the McMahons. He's better than his fucking dad, that's for sure. And he can take a stunner better than his dad. So he's one-upped his old man. Very true. <laughs> um, I hesitate to ask. Uh, we're at the two, two hours, three, 30 minutes mark. But anything else on this WWE show or anything else we want to talk about before we go? <laughs> oh, of the other stuff that I saw, I enjoyed Becky Lynch, Natalia, at the start. I enjoyed it more than I perhaps thought I would do. I have to say, though, it does seem like Becky Lynch has regressed somewhat in the ring. She looks like kind of... Un- at, at I don't certain- think she's ever been that good. <laughs> and they've killed whatever think aura the- she had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is. A, she's, you know, she's opening in this. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I think I expected it to be worse than what it was. Um, and you, obviously nothing about the story going in as a every single match on this card not a fucking clue what was going on beforehand uh yeah it was fine i enjoyed it mm. best women's match of the i last. like natalia i was at a really good bit of that book at this point i was reading a lot about rambo and uh, his return from vietnam and then rambo two and three turning the series into more of a comic approach yeah. to the, the vietnam hero so i didn't pay that much attention it was just on oh, <laughs> uh... benno it was it was fine. I enjoyed it as a story. I enjoyed. I, I think Be- Becky Lynch. You're right. I think she's a lot. I I, I don't agree. I, I think I agree that she was never that great, but she did have something. She had star appeal, and she's just mm. kind of just uh, yeah. I agree another, with that. Another wrestler now, isn't she? Um, and and yeah, I think it was probably the best women's match of the night. But yeah, I enjoyed Charlotte Flair and Trish Stratus as well. I thought that was solid. Um, even if they turned Trish Stratus into a WWE robot, both in a promo and the the celebration. Oh my the god, that that was uh, Mate, <laughs> that promo. I felt sorry for her. I did look up from the book at that point in time. I felt really sorry for her because she was always fine at cutting promos mm. before they were scripted. And it felt like she was trying to recite lines and she was trying really hard to remember these scripted lines. And it was like, no one says what you're saying right now. And I feel really sorry for you having to just recite line after line of unnatural content. It was painful. But Trish Stratus, still fucking hot. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So there was that. Bailey Ember Moon wasn't any good. Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton wasn't any good. But all in all, there's a fucking a surprise. In it's Le- Randy Orton, isn't it? I-, I feel so bad for comparing Okada to him now. I was reminded of what a peak Randy Orton match looks like. Um, and yeah, he basically turned the crowd on Paul Kofi Kingston as well. So yeah, there's that too. Awful thing. He's also. fucking atrocious. Yeah. Atrocious. I cannot Sorry, accept any <laughs> argument of him being he's a good professional wrestler. 
mate, there's more there? chance, and I've used this line art, there's more chance my arse learning to chew bubble gum than him becoming <laughs> good at wrestling at this point. It's fucking ridiculous. Is he better than The Fiend? No. Fiend, Fiend was over in three and a half minutes. Oh, he's just fucking cack. He's absolutely cack. My favourite memory of him involves him having a broken arm at the start of his career. That's good, that. The little segments he did oh, when, when he was he coming back. When he did R&N News or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, the Foley match was good. The yeah, Foley feud was great. Yeah. But that's it, though. Yeah, I can't accept I, I haven't seen this match. I, like I never win. will. If I can get through life without watching another Randy Orton match, <laughs> that's it for me. So you're going to get through without a Randy Orton match. I'm going to get through without a Bray Wyatt match. <laughs> And then I think the ma- and I think that w- my son asked Joe's like, oh, have, 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 has uh, Randy Orton ever wrestled Bray Wyatt? And he, <laughs> he brought up that match from Mania. He was like, he did the maggots on the yeah. on the mat, which I think that was the point where I honestly thought I never want to see either of these fucking people again. And I don't, and I had to today, unfortunately, <laughs> thanks to you. <laughs> oh, nice one. The, the, the sacrifice you give to our to our grapple listeners, oh, it's appreciated. It. Someone just needs to step in and buy that Xbox. I think it's only fair. Now we made uh, Joe watch this <laughs> watch his yearly quota of WWE TV in uh, in one show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was all right. Occasionally, I like a McDonald's. Um, usually, hey, spicy chicken nuggets are all right. I tried them the other day. Good, enjoyed them. Spicy chicken nuggets, is that a new addition to the menu, is it? Yeah, that's it. The nuggets themselves are a bit bland, but the hot sauce to come with it, highly recommend it. Like, it's good. Yeah. Oh, so it's not like spicy seasoning. It, allegedly spicy it is. Sauce. It is spicy seasoning, but it's not really. I wouldn't say it's particularly strong. Uh, at least the ones I had. Okay. But, you know. Okay. Well, you know, maybe I'll I'll check into a McDonald's at some point when I'm drunk. Probably over <laughs> that Royal Quest weekend or something, yeah. I imagine. Um, but, Yeah. The McDonald's that we had there today with JP was okay, I suppose. It was better than a lot of WWE I've seen in recent times. But I've got no desire to see Stone Cold Skype into Raw tonight, which is apparently happening, um, as much as I love Austin. <laughs> yeah, uh, He's Austin. Skyping into Raw? Yeah, that's what I just read, yeah. Fuck's sake. <laughs> it might get ratings. A Skype call from Austin. Oh, God. What? fuck is going on seriously <laughs> you'll still be more over than the, the, the rest and of the dweebs and there are people going, well, this is this is what wrestling should be imagine if New Japan had a Skype call from uh, KG Buto or <laughs> a Skype call from from Shono <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah what on the big fucking screen at Budokan or Antonio Inoki he probably didn't have to use Skype <laughs> Jesus probably can't get it in North Korea yeah it's fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell uh, on that note, <laughs> anything yes. else on WWE? Anything else you want to talk before we go? Obviously, we got that other show later in the week. We can talk more G1. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of wrap-up stuff that we'll do on that show later oh. on in the week. Yeah, and if, you, if, you, if you're interested in what we're going to be talking about on that show, we're going to be <laughs> going through our best G1 matches. And I've just seen the, 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 uh, the graphic that Grapple uh, Gareth has tweeted out. The number one match in, uh, on G1, according to Grapple users, Joe. Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. Madness. <laughs> we'll discuss but that. Fair play. I, I get. I get it. 
I get people getting caught in the moment of a final or a major event. I get it. I get it's it. Compared to that show, the, the last two shows we've just gone through, I'd happily sit through Kota Ibushi versus Jay White right now. Oh, mate, I enjoyed the match yeah. as much as I complained about yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'd, I'd give me Jay White over Randy Orton oh. or, or Bray Wyatt any day of the week. Agreed. There you go. We said something nice yeah. about Jay White if everyone. So there you go. Send your hate mail elsewhere. <laughs> uh, anything we want to plug before we go, JP, or uh, anything else to say? Uh, just on Twitter, JPGP. Three E's. Joe, do you want to plug your Xbox again? Yeah, no, for the Xbox so far. It is brand new. It is sealed. <laughs> it, it's never been opened. So you'll be getting a fresh Xbox at a very good price. JP is desperate to hear from you. There you go. Yes, sir. <laughs> Send it to JP, not me. Um, Send it to Benno. <laughs> at JPGP on Twitter. Oh, by the way, I, I didn't want to say that the shoe that we wrote on, by the way, I know going back to United Wrestling of all of this, I did make sure to write on there the name I put down was Richard Benno Benson. Foxy. So. AKA Benno. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I'm going to get for that. I wrote Y with a big question mark. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, send your hate mail to me at Benson Richard D on Twitter. Follow Grapple on Twitter at Grapple App. Download the Grapple App, uh, Android, iTunes. I'm sure everyone knows how to do it by now, but search for Grapple with Noe uh, in the Apple Store or in the Android Google Play Store. But yeah, you won't have to wait long to uh, to hear from us. We'll be back on Thursday with Jamesy uh, talking our highlights of G1, uh, some Grapple stats and uh, just a few uh, wrap-up items. But until then, we'll see you soon. Bye. It's Bruce's Price is Right! Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.